Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never really talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Jack Will. Also to my left... Dominic Fano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carl Moon. <laughs> and he's back. Uh, Dominic Fano, thank you for having me. <laughs> and first time on the podcast... Abby Oliveira. We have a girl! Yay! We have female interaction! Yes! <laughs> See, it's we, not see, sexist. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, that's why I raised my draft around. Look at <laughs> See, playing the theme tune though in front of someone that hasn't been here before, you realise how stupid. It is. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, no, it's just all getting a little bit affronted. <laughs> it's a good tune, Michael. Abby, it's like, oh no, we're doing this on purpose. <laughs> Abby, we, did, we just went on their line because you'd never heard it before. I kind of cringed when it went on because somebody who hadn't been on the podcast before. It's 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 meant to be shit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ironic. <laughs> Scrubs going to definitely email us after. Boys. What the fuck are you on about? <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking magic. That was his masterpiece. I don't think. <laughs> that was his fuff something. <laughs> Part of his blue period. <laughs> okay, uh, I wrote down something here that I noticed in the week that I wanted to bring up. I was fucking through the TV and Robin Hood was on film four, the yeah, Ridley Scott one. Crowbar. Crowbar. And in the in the information thing of the film, it said Ridley Scott's muscular retelling of one of Britain's muscular. most enduring myths. Muscular, muscular retelling. retelling. I've never heard that used as an idea for a, a character before. <laughs> what does that even mean? I've never heard that as a film description before. <laughs> 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 this fucking daft thing. You like an, an imaginative director, a visionary director, a muscular director. He was a, a muscular director. There's <laughs> a muscular drama. A muscular comedy. Just Russell Crowe bitting the fuck out of boys. Crowbar! Okay, we'll move swiftly into it. <laughs> right uh, for the first that's, time that's even more ridiculous it's <laughs> no I'm fair that's incredible <laughs> that, that's his true masterpiece that is true that still gets me every time every time is right so I'm Danger Ball this week I was up at the 50p sale earlier on in Rathmore yes. amazing pretty handy amazing I, like I said earlier on pack of guilty sashes yeah, for 50p I got you know two I mean? packets yes. yesterday unbelievable <laughs> it'll be sashes for dinner every night this week but uh, so I was up there seeing this wee bottle Danger Ball this week is the Shy Pig. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Shy Pig. Now, 
the shape pink, juicy red at the bottom. Uh, it's, it's the shape pink. It's a juicy red Australian mm. vintage, apparently. There he is there, lovely shape pink. I made a couple of barrels. Nah, uh, he's a he's a front. Nah. Doesn't even look at it. It's kind of cute. cute. It's kind of cute. <laughs> nice. Now the description of the shape pink is in the yard. A cheeky little pig <laughs> started to make. <laughs> I'll start again. In the yard, a cheeky little pig started to make a name for himself. Random mischievous acts were being encountered, often accompanied by a glimpse of a curly tail behind, scrambling away with the cutest of little snorts. <laughs> so infamous was this little character. This is going to be fucking bogging. <laughs> that he's ended up on a bottle or two. I can't wait. <laughs> this, this juicy red is packed full of red fruit and cherry character. Best enjoyed within one year of purchase and consumed within two days of opening. It's a, apparently it's a muscular wine. So, <laughs> and it's 11% and it was £4 the fact handy. that they, they had to come up with such a backstory for that uh, it is going to be shit well, it, it just the fact that they don't talk about wine at all <laughs> 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 you know we're <laughs> fucked it's, it's not actually wine it's like a pig stock or something <laughs> uh, red, 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 red. here we go I'm not a wine drinker so I could taste this and fucking say anyway but, uh... okay it's not bad no. Yeah, I mean, it's just that we say this everywhere. I know, but there, do you know what? There's actually no real fucking taste. It's like water. <laughs> Let me have a look. Maybe that's just <laughs> my that's my own coming. Up. <laughs> that's my own coming alcoholism. Yeah. Jeez, is that there trouble? Fuck, it's like water. <laughs> it is. So it's not really got a flavour, a kick. It's not bad. You get used to it. No, that does definitely just taste like really cheap red wine. <laughs> well, that's because it is really cheap red oh. wine. <laughs> Michael Gilundi. How much did you pay for it? £4. £4. Can't argue with that. £4, you know what I mean? And that was outside the 50p sale. It's always £4. Eternally £4. Oh, right. Okay, right. Well, I'm about to glug it now. We'll see how it goes down. Could you get used to that, Abby? Do you know what? It's actually dangerous because it's just like drinking juice. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you wouldn't even realise you were drinking alcohol. I think I need to take another glove. Oh, just in case. Just in case. Shy pig's got me. That's it. The shy pig's got me. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to mix all milky? As as he does with everything. (laughs) (laughs) Natural. It's the first time that. Beware, Michael. It does leave a kind of a weird film in your mouth. Luckily, we are a film podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. He's, he's done his homework. <laughs> Get on there. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it kind of tastes a bit like a farm. <laughs> like I've just realised too why the shape pig might be shy. He's definitely got the DTs from drinking his own fucking stuff. He's panicking like fuck him behind barrels. Like That's a dry shy down wine. It only lasts for a year, uh, did you say? Like, I, know, I love it. it After that, it implodes. Gives you the guidelines. <laughs> hey. Consume within one year of opening. Within one year of oh, opening? Oh, sorry, no, sorry. Consume within one year, within two days of opening. So don't leave it sitting. We'll polish it later. So that was it. Like, it'll only last uh, a year if you keep it closed. Af- it's not a good af- sign. After for a year, really, it's it? just antifreeze. It fucking turns anti dental just. If you feel like changing the colour of your QR, just fucking pour a bottle of that. When, see, see if them hard to reach Danes shape or something like <laughs> have you read the small print in this oh the small print oh Jesus no, I know it will kill you wines tend to con- contain sulfate but this contains egg and milk <laughs> what? <laughs> what what <laughs> what have I br- I've created a monster <laughs> what have I brought let me just have a look at this in the light but I'm fairly certain oh, it yeah. says egg and milk <laughs> so you got it for breakfast then where? contains sulfates egg, egg milk, milk. 
in the holder, sofita. Yeah. Egg and there's egg and milk. <laughs> what one. the fuck is going on? There? That's the only ingredients as well. <laughs> that's, that's all. It's the only ingredients it says. It's all this, really this is not actually a wine <laughs> either. This is a wine-based drink. No, it's, no, it's not even drink. wine. It's a wine-based drink. Oh, it's not even egg wine. And milk. No. No. So this isn't actually wine. It's, no. Let me no, see that. It is a scary thing when you. Well, can that's get... why they don't talk about. Never, never mention it. That's why wine. he's fucking shy. He's affronted. He can't even pull out a proper bottle of wine. That is oh. phenomenal. The fact that you can get literally like balls of wine for like 50p because it's that cheap to make, but that can't even afford to be a wine. That's trying to be it a really wine. It really does say wine-based drink. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it then? Well, basically, I think what's happened is it's that the wee a... shy pig, he's gone round the farm, he's knocked fuck out of his friends, the chickens and the cows, <laughs> nicked their milk, nicked their eggs, and this is what he's come up with. <laughs> and now he's hiding behind a couple of barrels. Which explains that strange sort of aftertaste yeah. in your mouth you get there. It's probably egg white or something. Mm. I, I was eating a, a Snickers based Snickers the other day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like. But I've just, I was just, I was, uh, you know, I. Uh, it was a bit of a, an existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it is eleven percent, though. Yeah, that's all matters. That's how he's not bought that. We, we don't even mention it. Uh, well, if we watch this week, then he wants to go first. He's gone. Well, I have watched last night while I was on my own in the house. I decided I would watch Antichrist oh with Willem Dafoe. Um, yeah, I thought you were going to say porn, but the man. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was the night before. <laughs> <laughs> well, Antichrist could be considered pretty fucked up porn. <laughs> God, I was not prepared in the slightest for what I was about to see. I thought it was going to be kind of a bit of a, a bit of a kind of a cheap rip off of Exorcist or something. I thought it was going to be one of those, but no, I was not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I was not prepared. I mean, that that film is going to scare the shit out of anyone. I imagine, particularly if you're a couple ever been on the brink of splitting up or divorcing, <laughs> can really freak you uh, out. That film. I think I said before, it's no date movie. Like, it's it's de- definitely it's not. Definitely not when you take a girlfriend or a partner to a cinema. Uh, any <laughs> any film where a man's Beanbag is cut off essentially. Is it cut off? No, or is I it don't just think so. With? I think she basically, I think she basically she hit him with like some. It looked like a big block of something, or Did maybe a tool like the tool bag. <laughs> you but just I don't think like it was a like... knife. I think she basically hit him while he had an erection with some big tool or something, knocked him out. I don't think that she actually they go cut it, off or his bits not, or. Yeah. No, he didn't seem to no. be too into it at that <laughs> point. See, he was uh, conked out on the floor. Having a magic dream. Yeah, and then there was this really horrendous scene. Did you know the horrendous scene I'm talking about? Like after she sort of knocked kid? him out. Is this then, kid? No. no, no, this is way later in the film. Just after she sort of knocks out his bits with this tool. And then he's lying there conked out on the floor and she gives him a hand job. And then he sort of ejaculates blood oh. horrendous we've all been there <laughs> it is uh, I wouldn't even bring it up <laughs> it was actually before uh, before we started the podcast you brought up hand jobs Abby so I'm just going to dive on here <laughs> I, I uh, brought up hand jobs <laughs> <so>. <laughs> How, so, so, we so, industrious of me. So <laughs> before we start, before we started the podcast, me and Abby and Dom have decided that we're going to uh, co-write a script called Handjob Kevin. Handjob Kevin. It's, it's about a mystical little boy who lives in a bus shelter and gives handjobs to the local council. <laughs> he gives he gives handjobs to the local council, but he has a, str- a strange gift. 
that when he gives hand jobs, he can <laughs> he can steal their secrets. So he can steal people's secrets through hand jobs. We're getting on that tomorrow. Yeah, you're, you're well, I kind free. of imagine Kevin not as a little boy, <laughs> but as an. <laughs> Yeah, we're on it. We're on it. I think he's doing we're a cameo on the next Bond film as well. Yeah, he used to he's give the right a, regular, he? Used to, he used to a wee Hank de Bond as well. Hey, <laughs> he's going to show up. Hey, all cloak and daggers. Like <laughs> he's the main villain. Loves on side of volcano. <laughs> he is Spectre. Like you should, you should have him around about sort of fourteen, fifteen. You know that sort of. Um, Ambiguous. Let the right one in. For legality, we'll see. Twelve-year-old vampire girl. That's that's weird because she's so small, and then you end up seeing her naked. That's really weird. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. But then you should do that with handjob, Kevin. What do you mean? We should. You're on this. You're on this monster now. You're cool, right? Then you're landing in my house tomorrow. I've actually been round King's Cross and seen rent boys like late at night waiting for a last train home. Rent boys jumping into cars. They go around the corner and. Well, I don't actually see that bit. <laughs> you run around the corner to get a jump. He's the boulder. Same guy just getting into a car and it would come off and then he'd reappear again then he'd get into another car. Just oh, saying, oh, I remember actually taking a, a shortcut home one night and I ended up walking through Kena Prazi, Prazi district. Is this when you were a rent boy? And I walked through and I swear to fuck, uh, I, thought the, I thought the gear was saying, do you have a cigarette? Oh she definitely was nasty. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the you innocence. Want a fucking blowjob? I was like, oh, fuck, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> felt like a fucking agent. I was sort of searching, and I'm just going, no, no, fuck. Yeah, and then I just fuck. I was like, oh, fuck, oh, <laughs> I want to go home. They stalls are red, aren't they? What did you watch this week? Don't let. What did I watch? I saw. St. Vincent this week. Oh, it's really nice. Bill Murray. Nice, heartfelt, softer, yeah. softcore version it's of Grand Torino. Cliche, but it's really love them. It is. It's the softcore version Soft of Grand Soft to the touch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice. It's like warm. A nice, warm film. Yeah. It was, it was lovely. I watched it with my aunt. <laughs> you watch all your films no, no. <laughs> usually she deletes them but she she actually watched this oh, one she, didn't sta- she didn't stop <laughs> she this one for uh, Housewives of fucking Atlanta or something you were saying the last time moms. the yeah. dance moms dance of Atlanta moms. dance moms <laughs> what's dance moms oh god um, basically there's a dance show for little prepubescent girls and they have a competition and the whole premise of the show is basically the mums of these girls argue oh amongst God. one another. Because oh God! One little girl's dancing shit, and the other little girl's dancing. Oh God! Is then, it an American show? Yeah, and then oh, they, you know what they, it is. They, they argue with Abby, and then the, her name is Abby as well. So <laughs> 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 Needless to say, I was never a dancing <laughs> girl. My mummy was never a dance mum. <laughs> <laughs> Villain times with Colm Heron. It was, it what was time? A Saturday afternoon, right. which is perfect. Oh, are we Saturday afternoon just, be, when you're get, just yeah. before you get ready to go out? Yeah. I, I just was, I, I was feel, feeling a wee, a wee Sunday night at about 7 o'clock. They're always Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. every, every time we do film there's a comment, yeah. they're always Sunday at 7 o'clock. Why, 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 why a lot of good films are, are to be viewed at Sunday at 7 o'clock? <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't think it would be good enough for a Sunday evening. No? No. Ah, oh, no, it is perfect for Sunday. You'd be left wanting Me and a friend of mine have a list of films we call safe films is when you're absolutely hungover back to the fucking teeth wrecked and you need something that's not too intense but just jovial enough just to kind of get you through your hangover and I think St. Vincent's perfect because there's no real fucking high stakes in there 
there's there's nothing really threatening. It's just a nice wee story. Mm. Um, I I I kind of had that feeling of nearly like I needed like a safe film, and uh, I whacked on Spaceballs. Oh yeah, and I was I was I was doing Grant through it until Pizza the Hut showed up, and I nearly <laughs> vomited. <laughs> <laughs> because if you don't know what Pizza the Hut looks like, it's just it's just imagine like a melting pizza on someone's face. <laughs> See, that looks like my dream. Like, pizza's my favorite thing of all time. Oh no, it's so bad. <laughs> the follow my spitballs is horrendous. We discussed this during the week. We we won't go into that's that, where Mel Brooks's <laughs> career took a nosedive. But anyway, what did you watch this week? Star Wars again. Well, I've I've been more living Star Wars. Been <laughs> <laughs> about the house with a lightsaber. <laughs> no, I can't find my lightsaber. Out there. But, um, <laughs> got lost in the move. Um, no, yeah, I've I've been playing Star Wars Battlefront uh, for the last couple of days, so I haven't watched films. Are you <laughs> the host of a film podcast and I watched one film this week no, I have but I just want to talk about Star Wars Battlefront oh, yeah. <laughs> executive decision we're videoing this no it's it's a really good game it, it's uh... a <laughs> are you fucking <laughs> up the last one look <laughs> see I'm not I'm, I'm not, normally not well and they kind of first person shooter kind of games <laughs> are you fucking seriously doing this like <laughs> but uh it's just because it fucking of... is <laughs> He's dying but, to talk about it. But it's just because it's Star Wars that I like it. Because I'm, 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 I'm shit. I'm shit at first person. Sure, I'm shit at games. Really, I just like playing. But uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a bit of crack. You get to like beat, beat around Hoth and all, and just shoot Imperial troopers or the rebel scum, whatever. Does, does it, <laughs> do you think that you get more satisfaction out of that game because of your deep love for Star Wars? Because you feel like you're in Star I, Wars? That's what I'm saying. Like, if, if it didn't have the Star Wars aesthetic, I wouldn't be playing this game. Do you, get, do you get to be a Jedi? Yeah, we see this. They, they have these power-ups that you can collect that uh, you can, if you're on the Imperial side, you get to be Darth <laughs> Vader. And if you're on the you Rebel side... You get to be Darth Vader. Yeah, you, you, you turn into Darth Vader until... But when you're Darth Vader, or uh, if you're on the rebel side, you get to be Luke Skywalker. Do you get to knock a fuck out of Luke Skywalker? I we see. I I became Luke Skywalker when I was playing at one time. Wow. And nor, <laughs> nor normally How just look look just flies through all all the uh, Imperials and just you just knock and fuck out everybody with his lightsaber. But as soon as I became Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader rocked up. So then me and Darth had a fight, and then everyone else just stood around watching. <laughs> <laughs> The, the bastard, the bastard schoolyard fight. Oh, the, yeah. I, no, nobody did anything. Nobody jumped on or not. Nobody jumped up for me or not. Who's on me? Stormtrooper similar camera phones. I don't know what the fucking size is, boy. Yeah, so I, I, Darth Vader killed me. Tell us, is he on the game as a secret character, handjob Kevin? No. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Game takes a nosedive. Hopefully Han Solo will show Hopefully that's somebody. a secret level. He doesn't get me. Handjob Solo just. <laughs> Uh, what's the, the Deer Hunter this oh, week? Yeah. Deer Hunter, yeah. brilliant, brilliant uh, film. Uh, I've seen it so many times and all, and I really like Michael Cimino. Uh, but I, I think it's... Um, there, there's a, there's certain films that kind of affect you, and you can't watch them for a long time. They're that good, and when you pick the time to watch them, you, you really do en- enjoy them. You know, you know, I think it's like we were talking about my dad watching films and stuff and all he definitely just fucking hated the Deer Hunter but really? I know he wouldn't like it at all um, well, was that, in all fairness was it like your dad what, what did he say that he thought was amateurish again? What Touch of Evil Touch of Evil Touch of Evil was amateurish 
and he loved once. I, I loved once and thought Touchy Vols amateurs. So I don't know. That's that's what's going on in his head. But, Are you uh, sure he just didn't get the names of the films? No, definitely. Not 100%. <laughs> but I think uh, you know, I mean, he 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 says I go to films for escapism. I don't go there to fucking learn anything really. And and, and you know, Deer Hunters definitely. I try to explain to him like you know, if a film is meant to be sad and it makes you feel sad, then it's done its job. And Deer Hunter just for one of them types of films like you know fucking just at the end you know like fucking Saigon's burning it's always sort of is this the is this that infamous Russian roulette film yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. I've Dear only ever seen Zonga. parts of it. it forever like the first part just bored me and then I drifted really? off yeah I, I fucking love it it's, it's definitely one of my favourites um, it's a perfect example people used to say when they used to write screenplays like uh, you know don't uh, get straight into the story and introduce your characters yeah. as you go. Whereas Tarantino went straight ahead against that and and said, no, I have to introduce my characters and you have to care about them before I put them in a situation. And I think yeah. the Deer Hunters are a really good example Was of... Tarantino, did you say? Because like uh, there, there's, there's a famous uh, script here called Sidefield and that's what he said. He uh, came up with phrases like killing your darlings and stuff like this here and all. And uh, He was one of the main people about sort of, uh, you know, lean and mean scripts. You know, if it's not moving the plot forward, don't do it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in the 90s and stuff, like people like Tarantino and all them guys and all, they just says, no, we, we prefer characters, so get your characters going and stuff. And Deer Hunter is actually a really good example of that because it's it's pretty much all character. You know, yeah. there, you know there's a looming thing that the Vietnam War is coming, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's all character for the first thing. It's like 40 minutes, that yeah. wedding yeah. party. But it just has a fucking... They just picked the town so well, and they picked all locations. Well, the town kind of reminds me of somewhere like you know, like where they live in the Goonies that, or something. That industrial town. Aye. We were at uh, great locations. Like. In a in a, a film class we had, we were back at uni. I don't know if you were in the same class, but they had this discussion. It was almost like a, a shot for shot analysis of when, uh, yeah, I was about to say Travis Pickles, Robert, uh, Robert De Niro's character first goes under the sort of wee cabin he's living in, and this wee industrial town, Aye. and it's how it's shot because inside the cabin, Mel Street comes in. It's all these warm, orangey, red lights, but then outside they use this blue filter to shade over the town, and the, the town itself, being industrial, looks cold as fucking sterile. Mm. And mm. it seems like that wee cabin along with her is the only place where you can feel safe and have any sort of fucking comfort. Just those wee niches, even like you were talking about the Vietnam War, you're exactly right. It's about characters, and the Vietnam War acts as like a catalyst for those characters, I think, right. definitely. Uh, I wouldn't say it's an afterthought because obviously it serves a massive purpose, but even like now when they go on the hunting trip at the start, uh, and De Niro grabs the bolt and he's all this is fucking this you know and, he, and he's staring at this bolt and his friends are like what the fuck's going on and that line uh, of dialogue is nonsense and you can just tell how fucking unhinged he is at that point you know uh, what I mean I mean I think I think it's a perfect example of people can be kind of carnal and sort of I mean it's a thing of just, just being human I think I mean we all have these sort of instincts and stuff and it's just about whether you yield to them or you you know um you keep him under wraps like and all and it's a perfect example of someone that just in his own wee hometown he kind of already had it but he was he was killing animals and then until he uses the exact same uh, tools or the things that he has and his personality then to kill humans it, it sort of it completely just changes it, it's the exact same things and this way he was a good soldier and this way he didn't die and this way he came back but it, it just shows what uh, one kind of what would you say kind of uh, anomaly mm. and that whole thing can do the one person yeah. and 
just the effect of it. It's just I don't, I don't know. I, I think the best thing about that there is how much time they take with a film and how much yeah. time you know. The only film I can compare modern uh, that does a fo- that tells a story quite like that is Out of the Furnace. Yeah. It's really, really similar. If any, I talked about it before, out of the furnace with Christian Bale on the road show as well. That's brilliant, and mm. it just it moves the way Deer Hunter moves, and the music in Deer Hunter is great. But it's just it, it's all character. Uh, what did you watch, Sean? I watched Slow West. It was just released this year. I think it was released in like January oh, or February. Yeah, Fa- it's a uh, Michael Fassbender, Cody Fee McSmith. Or Cody Smith McPhee or something like I can't remember, but it's a uh, it's he's, those he's, names in it. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, it's it's one or two of those names. Like, uh, he's the kid from the road, and uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Essentially, a very quick uh, summary of the plot. Cody Smith Cody Smith McPhee's character is uh, he's from Scotland. He's just emigrated to America. The reason he's emigrated to America is because he's uh, chasing after his like lost love. She's fled Scotland with her father because they've accidentally killed. Cody Smith McPhee's aristocratical father who'd like never uh, never give a sign off in the relationship because she's like a low but she's like a peasant and he hid it so on what, his way what time setting is this it's like it's it's the way I would say about the 1880s 1890s right. no and actually no I'd say yeah about the 1890s probably 1890s. just the turn, turn of the 20th century right yeah so whilst he's going across the Colorado Plains he comes across a bounty hunter Silas Selleck who's played by Michael Fassbender he pays Fastbender to give him protection along the way because obviously it's you know it's the wild west and Fastbender says straight away as soon as he meets him, if you don't have me in the next couple of days, you're definitely going to be dead. Like because he's he's like seventeen, you know, walking across the Colorado plains and it's like lawless. So the real reason that Fastbender actually ties on them and wants to go along is they come across this bar and you find out that there's a massive bounty on. Uh, the Cody Smith McPhee's girlfriend's head and her father's head and obviously Fastbender being a bounty hunter he thinks to himself if I attach myself to this kid then I'll find them easier and I can collect the bounty so it's it's just all about that them going across the plains trying to find this family there's also another band of bounty hunters who Fastbender used to be a part of who are led by Ben Mendelsohn and they're a bunch of bad bastards who are also looking for the bounty on the girlfriend and the father and uh, I loved it it's an absolute like, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. It's got a crack in uh, IMDb score. It's got a crack in Rotten Tomato score. I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a go. Uh, first of all, cinematography is unbelievably beautiful cinematography. It's an American Western, but it's shot in New Zealand because it's a joint New Zealand-UK production. And you know yourself, from like the Lord of the Rings, how New Zealand's natural landscape yeah, just yeah. lends itself to yeah. beautiful cinematography. And what's good as well is that obviously... You, usually have this stereotypical vision in your mind of what a western is you know the sort of John Ford mm-hmm. red Arizona plains that's the thing if it's Colorado then they're in this, the Rocky Mountains of yeah Colorado. but because as well it's, it's a different place they actually set a western in but because obviously it's New Zealand too and it's got these earthier more kind of green landscapes it gives it like a sort of visual niche it kind of it, it, it makes it stand out from the crowd you know in, in the western genre uh, another thing performances are sweet Cody Smith McPhee he was brilliant in the road when he was like 12 he's Obviously, developing on the a fucking very strong young actor, really mature performance too. He, he he gives a performance of a boy just going on the manhood, and he plays it actually convincingly. Does he come from Scotland? He's Australian. He's Australian. Yeah, he's Australian, but he's playing as a Scottish fella in this in an American western that shot New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but uh, uh, Fastbender's Fastbender. I said a couple weeks back, he's probably my 
you know, favourite actor that there is at the moment. He's, he could fucking do anything. Like, you know what I mean? He could be Mr. Blobby and probably won an Oscar for it. Uh, <laughs> is, is he doing an accent on this? No, he has an Irish accent. That's explained. It's explained that he uh, he's like a first generation immigrant. He's he's not the best with accents. No, well, <laughs> I, it's like X Men. It's like when, yeah, when the Magneto become have, Irish. Yeah. The last time that's that fall. He does have a weird accent to begin with because you can hear the German in his Irish accent, can't you? I've yeah. said before there was uh, there was an interview with Michael Fassbender once, and they were asking him, oh, "How's it feel to be half Irish and half German?" And he was, "Oh, it's kind of strange because they're two very very kind of polar cultures." And they were all, well, "How would you put it?" And he was like, "Right, well, to be Irish and to be German." Everything has to be done perfectly tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> perfect analogy there. But uh, he figured out that through that question years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the film itself, some of its other strengths are not only the cinematography and the acting, but uh, the pacing of the film. I've always, and Mickey will say, because I've probably bored him many times, I think that one of the, the main things a film has to have be it a good film, bad film, or an excellent film, is the pacing has to be right, and the pacing is perfect. It's this slow build, this summer intention, right up to the end, and then there's this big sort of set piece at the end that is one of the best shot and most considered finales they've filmed I've seen in a long while. It just works, and because there's been such a slow build, it's so much more satisfying at the end when you know something actually does happen. And it's not like it's just thrown in there to give like a big send off to the film. It actually is the way the film would pan out through these characters, you know. Uh, on top of that, too, finally for Slow West, uh, it's an hour and 20 minutes long. Oh, so I like that. It's an hour and 20 <laughs> minutes long. So if you are in a rush, you don't want to commit yourself to a two hour film, you're thinking, oh, fuck, I might give something a go. Pull it this way, it's about 20 minutes longer than your standard HBO episode. So definitely give it a watch. And finally, uh, well, tonally as well, it's brilliant because it's really deep and it's almost like this deconstruction of the Western. It's looking about this kind of being an archetypal man. And what I love about Fassbender's character is that he's not John Wayne. And, like, he can handle himself and he's 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 sure-footed, as you would say. And he obviously knows how to t- t- take care of himself, but they also show him as being a bit of a buffoon. And there's kind of wee light comedy touches throughout the film and it, it, it's interspersed beautifully. It doesn't, it doesn't come across as jarring. And for uh, diehard fans out there, you'll 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 definitely love the film because it's uh, by a first time writer and director called John McLean. So uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely give it a go. It's a crack and Jew. Sweet. Okay, we'll move on to news. Uh, first news this week is Fast and Furious Eight has found its director in F. Gary Gray. Oh, so it's not gonna be Vin. No. I think Vin was just pulling everybody's leg. Is that the director? Uh, straight out of Compton. Yeah, straight out of Compton. Yeah. Compton indeed. Uh. Oh, that seems sweet. I mean, I've, 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 you're probably best to talk about this because I'm not up on the Fast and Furious franchise at all. Like, but F. Gary Gray, I just watched, actually watched Straight Outta Compton at the start of the week too, and he seems an accomplished director. Definitely, there, there's a, like a sort of energy to every film that I've seen by F. Gary Gray. There's a, a serious. What, what other films has he done apart from Straight Outta Compton? I actually looked at his filmography the other day, and I can't name you one of them, but I know that I've he seen did them. The, <laughs> he did the the remake of the Italian Job with Mark Wahlberg. He's done know. something else though. I know he did Law by the Citizen and The Negotiator. That That's what is The Negotiator. Law by the Citizen. Is that yeah, the one we, with Jared Butler. Yeah, yeah. Gerard for American listeners. Gerard, Gerard <laughs> Butler. <laughs> Are any of you fans of the Fast and the Furious past, the Fast and Furious 2? This man. Seriously, are you a big style? Uh. I have a friend who's a big style fan. (laughs) But, like, I have to say, I kind of roll my eyes a bit when I hear another fucking Fast and Furious is coming out. (laughs) 
I'm a bit of a, you know what I mean, I can't really speak with any authority on the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed the first one, the second one. Then after that, I kind of felt like, well, where else can you go? Yeah. How fast story. can you drive? Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a point. I've said it before on the podcast is, is that uh, uh, none of the films are the same. They never remake the same and they never retell the same story. It's co- it's a constant continuation. Even the best like trilogies out there, like The Barn and All's Herald and that kind of stuff, I mean, it's essentially the same story over and over again, but with different locations and they swap out a few things. But The Fast and Furious actually there's always a different storyline and they, they kind of, it's always continuation, okay. you know, and that's, and it's honestly, it's, it's one of the only franchises that's ever done Do you know that. what, actually, I may go and give Fast and the Furious 3 and 4 a wee run Do just you, after you say in that column, like, you oh, know. It doesn't pick up the Fast 5, really, though, does it? Yeah. No, 4 is good. The first one's half decent. I remember the 2 and 3, what, Tokyo Drift, their push. And then I don't think I've actually, seen past actually, 4. Actually, like, Tokyo Drift, I mean, it doesn't have any of the, the main characters. It doesn't have the two leads in it. I think that's why it suffers though. Well, Heron, do you have any opinion on F. Gary Gray for directing? Um, it's weird because, I mean, John Singleton directed the second one and he did, like, Baby Boy and uh, I think he did Boys in the Hood in there mm-hmm. as well. And uh, I think there's definitely, with Van Diesel, there's definitely kind of a... Because he, he, he's, he's partially Hispanic and stuff and all and he, he spent a lot of time in Los Angeles and stuff and there's definitely sort of a... A thing there that's that's part of all the film. Like I think in the f- in the first cast, I don't think I think Paul Walker was like one of the only uh, white people in it. Like, mm. and I think that was a, a thing that they've kept throughout it. It was just this sort of this culture of just all these different parts of of. Uh, I said they want to represent all cultures again, like precisely. Like and, and so that's why Singleton was was chosen for the second one because he's definitely you know. And he he's done a lot with African American culture, be it we baby boy and but boys and, aye, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's good to put that out there. And then I think. Weird man, because I think it, it's a good mix of actually having how to deal with that uh, authentically, mm. and but also be a good action director. And if your man's doing straight to Compton, and I haven't seen it yet, but I mean, apparently it's a fucking seriously fucking it's really, really good show. Completely not that I, like Dom was saying a few weeks back, completely whitewashes some of the you know the, the, the very bad traits, yeah, the very bad traits of Doctor Dre and fucking Ice Cube. But uh, it's it's a really well put together film, and he's uh, the actor. I don't even know the actor's name, but. The actor who plays Easy is oh, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, yes, he was yeah. fantastic. He's wasn't he? so fucking good. Like it's it's crazy too. Like just going very quickly on the show at Compton, uh, because when I watched it the other night, it's actually just kind of jarring. Have you ever fucking done the casting for that film? Does ever a massive handshake because the actors look so much I like know, the fucking. I know, don't like, they? And I know that O'Shea Jackson Jr. That's actually Ice Cube's son. Yeah. That's ah, why he looks okay. like ridiculously <laughs> like him. Right. But even like the, the actor they got and they play Dre, like yeah. looks like a young Dre. It's, it's crazy. But uh, yeah, it's cracking, Joe. Mm. What were you saying then? No, I'm just saying if, if you have a good mix of of uh, a kind of uh, urban, multinational kind of Jesus, uh, I don't know what, what would you say. Like if if you've if you've dealt with that in any way or if you're familiar with that kind of yeah. the style at all and you can do action I mean I think that's that's, that's a fucking good start for Fast and Furious I mean, well I think he he showed he could do action with like law abiding citizens and the negotiator like and safe, the negotiator yeah, but yeah definitely there's there's some really big action set pieces in law abiding citizens like. you're really struggling I know can't say abiding for a minute can't be abiding for abiding um <laughs> I know there's some great action set pieces in that air, and I think they're handled really well. And yeah. I think he could, but do you think he 
he would go as ridiculous as the other ones would. See, the problem is Justin Lin is actually, I think, one of the best action directors at the minute. Hundred percent agree. I think, and that's why he, he was originally going to do Born Five. Right, and then because Matt Damon decided to come back, then he got sort of moved aside for Paul Greengrass again. That's that's fair enough because Matt Damon said he wouldn't do it with Paul Greengrass, but Justin Lin was on to do five. Is he doing the new Star Trek film now? Aye, he is. Aye, he was just all born or Star Trek. He's all. Why not both? <laughs> Merge them. Yes, Star Trek. Born Trek. It's all. You're not doing Born. You're doing Star Trek. Star Born. Star Born. <laughs> no, but it's really hard. It, it's because it's it's a serious specific thing. I think the only people that are really really good at action was like John McTiernan, like we Die Hard and Predator and all these things, and then uh, Tony Scott. Yeah. Uh, if you get John McTiernan back and make Die Hard sex and just fucking make a good Die Hard, really the whole series <laughs> they fuck. <laughs> no, hey. Get John McClane to do just call it after a, Slow Wesley. Like, you know what I mean? A good day, they fuck off. <laughs> A good day to rewrite a franchise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think what you were saying earlier on about F. Gary Gray, too, sorry, John Singleton, but then you went on to F. Gary Gray. I think it's really important that it's somebody who can identify with like maybe uh, different ethnicities and stuff like that too because uh, he, 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 you right. get it sometimes with Hollywood and they're trying to show different cultures within America, be it like African-American or Hispanic or Puerto Rican or Latino. It just comes off as fucking quasi racist. I like for instance, the actress that they got to play Nina Simone was yeah. a very, very light skinned actress. Yes, of course. You know, and especially because Nina Simone was so hard that was one of her 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 things in life was fighting against this racism that they faced. So her her um uh what what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, but right, well, her colour, that's not the word I'm looking for, but this was one of her, the bees in her bonnet, one of her big fights in life. Mm-hmm. But the actress was very, very light-skinned. She was a, maybe a little, a few shades darker than me, okay? Mm-hmm. That, was, that was hugely insulting, I thought. Of course, yeah, no, it does. And it, there's a whole thing too, and it's, it's almost now become a kind of, a sort of hit campaign towards Hollywood in that, and you, I don't know if you've if noticed this, but when do you ever see... Now, say, like, a, 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 a top black actor, the one that they always use as a case study is Will Smith. When have you ever seen a Will Smith film where he's got we, a white woman? Mm. They don't have that. Oh, focus. No, you know, that, no, that, that she film, She's almost you. an attach on. With Will Smith, it is usually, if he does have any sort of love interest, the love interest is usually also black or Hispanic. And they're saying that Hispanic is as far as they'll go ethnicity-wise. I I, there, is, there is a scary... Yeah, black Rosario Dawson, yes. Independence Day, Swipe is Black, I don't know. You know what I mean? Is, 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 there is a scary racism in America because I watched the Focus trailer and there was a song that was playing. It was by a Danish woman. I can't remember it now. It's just the bass line of this song I really liked. So I went onto the trailer to see if I could find the YouTube trailer to see if I could find someone asking the question of what song was playing. Mm. But the minute I went onto the American version of the YouTube trailer, there was just loads and loads of people just saying, this is a Jewish conspiracy getting this black Jesus. man with a white woman. <laughs> you didn't see that at all on the UK one? This is how fucked up the, the culture still is in America. Yeah. That so many of these people on 
on YouTube comments. I know it's YouTube comments, but, but still, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's populist comments. Like, it yeah. gives you a good idea of what fucking mm. people think or just why it's not fucking insane. It's yeah. fucked. And what's frightening as well in this, these articles that I was reading also made the point of there's a strange inversion, whereas you'll never see a black man get with a white woman in any sort of like Hollywood production, at least. There seems to be no problem with a white man getting with a black woman. There's this weird thing. It's 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 also then not yeah. only is it a race thing, but then it goes on the agenda thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's really yeah. fucked up. Like really see, fucked up. See back with Will Smith banging white girls. Um, does he does he is, does he not hook up with Jason Bateman's wife in Hancock? Like is that I've not there? Oh, it was yeah, all it was on the yard, sort of. But uh, no, it's no, on the yard. <laughs> 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 What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Saron's on the yard. <laughs> calm, calm the rates for fucking. Calm the rates for heat. Heat magazine, calm the rates for fucking gossip column over here. Saron's <laughs> on the yard. That's actually a really good gossip column. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Gossip column. Yes. Is it Charlie Saron? Charlie yeah. Saron. Oh, Alright, alright, well, he, he lays on Charlie. Um. <laughs> Lays pipe, as they say. Big dress yeah. as well in Prometheus. See, that is a strange one, but at the same time, I think that Ridley Scott... <laughs> but I know, all the enough of them, what's strange, I, fair enough, I'll concede that one, but then you say about Ridley Scott, going from that then, they do an exodus and getting fucking yeah. massive, massive <laughs> criticism for completely and utterly whitewashing actors yeah. that are supposed to be from the fucking that Middle East. That was unbelievable, yeah. actually, the exodus thing. Yeah, that that, that yeah. is a film that sticks out right. in my mind for the sheer um, for the sheer whitewashing. Yeah, yeah it, it got a lot of like, flack for that. Christian Bale uh, did, apparently yeah. is, is Middle Eastern. Did you did you not notice that? <laughs> and, uh, but even um, uh, what do you call him? The guy who oh, come on, Joel, Rupert Murdoch. Joel, Joel so Rupert Murdoch. Uh, he was in some way involved in this film. I don't know if he was. Did he film it or was he just commenting on? a financial backer. But anyway, he had made this whole comment on Twitter where he'd said. Um, about the film getting a lot of flack for whitewashing. Um, then he wrote on Twitter, um, well, all the Egyptians I know are white. Are Egyptians not white? Jesus <laughs> like, Christ. Oh, my God. The man, the man defines mean, ignorance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's scary. And that sort of summed it up for me. Okay, and the next news is uh, an Ant-Man sequel was announced was for nice. July 6th, 2018. And it's called Ant Man. Let me at least say the fucking thing. Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm. Ant Man and the Wasp wasn't the first Ant Man really shit, or did it? No, it was really good. It was actually really good. (laughs) (laughs) No, there was no loads of people thinking, "What the fuck?" Paul Rudd being a comic book character, and he's he's a lesser known. Well, no, I think I think I think it's because just the name Ant Man just sounds a bit naff, Mm. but as well. For people that kind of was interested in the film, it was supposed to be Edgar Wright that was directing it, mm-hmm. but then he left it and they brought in Peyton Reed. So it was everybody was kind of up in the air of, oh, it's going to be shit now because Edgar Wright's left. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I it mean, was actually a good film. I think as well, with Ant Man, I really like the film, like, but I think they played up the fact that Ant Man in the modern world sounds naff and you can't think of it seriously as like a fucking Iron Man or maybe a, a Thor one, the Avengers, whatever. But they played up that and they yeah. kind of made him jokey. And then Ant Man as well was never a really serious darker character like well i mean like obviously hank the original ant-man hank Pym, they do that pretty well like how fucking dark his backstory is but the current ant-man being paul rudd scott lang they might come very light-hearted and it's quite jovial what's the darkness about his backstory does he just go around killing ants (laughs) 
No, the actually, actually in the com- actually in the comic so. books, like there's there's a whole kind of dark storyline where he he like becomes a drunk and beats his wife and stuff. I have never heard of this character, Ant Man. Never. He has never he has really the power. He has the power to go really small, and also communicate with ants. Ah, <laughs> that's always going to help you out in times of. When you pull a guy, you're thinking, "How was that not shit?" Like, solid <laughs> <But> d- gold. <laughs> Douglas is fucking sweet, too. I mean, I think that's why you enjoyed your like Michael Douglas film. Yeah, he, he uh, is uh, really good because when when you see these kind of bigger actors in the comic book films as well, just, uh, you think that they might just be kind of phoning it in because they never really have big massive parts or whatever. But Michael Douglas, you can tell he's going for it. We Hank Pym, like what I liked about Michael Douglas in. Yeah, Ant Man as well. When he obviously he's playing Hank Pym, is it? He's not your sort of standard superhero or sort of adventure stock mentor. No. He actually has a character. Yeah, and you can, like you said, you can tell he's putting effort into the performance. He's not phoning it in. He's wanting to build the character, and they do build the character through the flashbacks and just how much depth he kind of gives out through his performance. And I think that's what makes it a lot more engaging. And then obviously Paul Rudd's giving us all. Yeah. Because you know me, he's not gonna get paid, baby. And but, of uh, course, Evangeline Lilly, who we haven't mentioned, who is the wasp. See, this this is one thing, right? And don't you're... don't you dare bad no, I, I know, I, I know she's your very favorite, Michael. I know she's your very Fox favorite. Who? The one from Lost. But uh... <laughs> she had twenty years in the Hobbit Black as well. Black. No, no, that's the other one from Lost. Uh... <laughs> uh... She was in the Hobbit films. What's weird is that she, yeah, had, she played a character that doesn't actually exist in, yeah, in the book. They yeah. made a girl elf. I can watch my The first one says fuck astrology. <laughs> <laughs> Bollocks. Absolute shit. Anyway. There's a fucking <laughs> thing obviously about uh, Evangeline Lily and they build up the wasp towards the end as this sort of big iconic character and that's the one thing that threw me off about Ant-Man and now obviously the sequel's called Ant-Man the Wasp as if the wasp was a big deal. I had no fucking clue who the wasp was. And she seems like the most boring character of all time. We well, it's essentially just out. essentially just a female uh, version hey. of the Ant Man. <laughs> but even at that, I mean, is she, she, is she as the wasp has broad like is that is, is that the crack like as the wasp has broad like they end up. I I they they yeah. Like it's like the Catwoman <laughs> fucking Batman deal like. <laughs> is there a question on this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking. Is that what it is like? Batman I, and Catwoman fucking is it? Well, the wasp is the wasp like. <laughs> That sounds fucking ridiculous. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that one, the wasp getting it together, but like, <laughs> <laughs> that's all the cares. Like, that's all the cares. Just seems like he's down, down in a fucking back alley trying to molest a wasp. Don't know. It's having that wasp getting it together, but like, it's time, it's time, I guess I think I sit back and actually think, what am I doing? This yeah. podcast. Or... But I, I was listening to you and talking, right? I just all no, I see the wasp. The hang about the wasp, right? It sounds fucking ridiculous. It sounds fucking so stupid. But but chat. What you were saying about the wasp (laughs) is, I I don't think they were building it up because it's such a big character. I think they were building it up because there's this whole there's a big no there there is a big kind of outcry for. More female superheroes and like that, the that, comic book films and that's stuff. A great and thing, but at least and Evangeline Lily at the end, like when they revealed the wasp costume and all, she says about goddamn time. And I think that's just a kind of wee wink. They all oh, were actually going to have a female superhero, even though they have Scarlet, not uh, Scarlet Witch and what do you call Black Widow? 
Black Widow, that's her name. Uh, do you not find it more insulting though when they're fucking literally just crowbarring in female characters just because there's been a bit of criticism instead of actually building a, a deep female character? Well, I I don't think As they are. Like, I don't think they are crowbarring in. But I think she's almost acting like a side shooty, Ant Man. And as well, like Sir well, well, Black Widow has got massive. Like, that's that's Marvel have got massive abuse about that since the fucking first Avengers release in twenty twelve. Where Black Widow essentially just being introduced in there. First of all, they have a female, and second of all, just they act like a satellite or a love interest to uh, the male characters, and not uh, actually have any purpose. But yeah. but Evangeline Lilly wasn't that in Ant Man. Like she, I, I think she had an important part to play in in the story, and there's uh there's a good story between her and Hank Pym. Like. She uh she wants to she wants to be that man. She wants to go on and do the heist that they're doing, and he won't let her because of what happened to her ma and stuff. And there's her ma's aunt. <laughs> <laughs> and I I think there's there's a car there's a character developed there, and I don't think you, I wouldn't say that she's just crowbarred no, in there. I'm, I'm not, and obviously. that's why it's exciting for the sequel now that they're obviously going to be building on the character of the wasp that she has a her name and the title like, yeah. and she'll be. More part of the film. It's good, no. They, obviously, you make a good point, but it's it's good that they're actually building a female character, and I will be sort of excited for the second film to see where they can go with that. But then at the same time, I just found the character, I, I found her character very two D, as opposed to Hank Pym and Douglas's character, and then obviously Paul Rudd's character that were really built up, and obviously they, they should be because of the main focus of the film. I thought she was kind of like an afterthought. It's like a stock development sideshow female character. You know, what I mean, I've I've seen that story happen fucking ten thousand times before. I don't think well, it's, it's really a great... Oh, she's, she's so important. We're doing fucking massive things for feminism and cinema. Like, I, I, I didn't get that. Fuck off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, you, you kind of said it yourself that uh, Paul Rodden and Michael Douglas were the... Like, they went through the most development or they're the two main characters. Like, like that's why they have all that because they are the two... They're the yeah, two Yeah, but they're actually like, interesting characters whereas I find... Well, I think she's interesting. character bland. Well, I don't, but you I don't would find her interesting, wouldn't you, Mikey? No, but this, this is the film that made me fall in love with her. Is it? Not even the hobbits? Nah, she had pointers. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I thought she was really good in that man, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see more. Lovely stuff. What, what was she in the first Ant-Man? She's Michael Douglas's daughter, and she helps train Paul Rudd to become the Ant Man. See, that's why there's a whole conflict because she wants to be the one that does the job. She wants to be Ant Man, but Douglas won't let her because her mad died being the Wasp when he used to be Ant Man. She had an anaphylactic shock at the prime stage. <laughs> <laughs> no, she went and they what did he call the subatomic zone or something? I find that see, I, I find that part of the I find that oh, part of the film really well, interesting. She got, that's right, she got so small she never came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, that, yeah, I find that part really interesting and. I, Fuck all that off. Another thing I don't like about that man, even though I like the film, and now as I start to deconstruct it, I'm realizing there's a lot of things I don't like you about it. I fucking hate this film. <laughs> uh, the subatomic zone, that's a really, really interesting concept, and I thought, fuck, that, that's really out there. And I think it's sort of mixed up with some sort of real science, which is a first for Marvel. But, uh, but just two seconds, just I, I love when they actually go into that, and it goes full 2001. Yes, it? it's, it's awesome. amazing. Like, it's really kind of ballsy for a Marvel film, obviously aimed mostly at, at kids, but what I don't like in, and spoilers, Frontman is that at the end where he goes on the subatomic zone which is supposed to be like the, the do not do thing because you can never come back to the real world it's just kind of ha- it's just kind of <laughs> hand waved then it's like oh no actually no there he is back now because he pushed a fucking button you know well I mean? it's it's because it's they had the wee discs at Mickey Bigger oh, again Mickey, I can't talk this film down at all you're <laughs> <laughs> because there's 
if if it was a bullshit, except that flaws, Mikey. No, if it, no, if if it was a bullshit thing where he was just all, oh, actually, no, I'm sweet, I can get out. That would be bullshit. But at least they at least had the thought they, oh, let's give him these things and make things big again, and then. Like the wasp didn't have that. Mickey, you know what? You've just defeated your argument. This is all. Let's give him a thing and mix things big again, and let's destroy Aye. this concept. They have fucking our realm. That we but have. The, no, because the wasp didn't have that. Michael Douglas developed them for Scott Lang. <laughs> I don't see <laughs> his golden. I just, I'm, I'm not going to argue. I'm this sorry, I was just looking at Colin's face there. Scott <laughs> 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 right, let's move on. Clearly, I'll just argue with myself. <laughs> I refuse to engage you anymore. <laughs> refuse to. Fucking Gandover. Um, Peace all proof. Sit in silence, cross light in that corner. Uh, Give me sandals. Fucking sandals in that corner. <laughs> right, okay. We'll move on to the next news. Fucking sandals, no one just. <laughs> sandals in the wind. <laughs> okay, next news. Uh, Hail Caesar trailers come out. Looks fucking unbelievable. Uh, that looks class. Absolutely love the cones. Uh, and we... I'll dive on it really quickly. Love the cones, love their comedies. I think we said a few weeks back when we said Pride countless times about how they've got the biggest niche of, of comedy right there is. They, they, they take basically like 1930s and 40s Ratata dialogue and, and make it their own and modernise it. And it works even well with our comedies anyway, at least. Um, and they're in the 1930s or Precisely. Like and this, any time the cones have went back to the Depression era or the Golden era of Hollywood cinema, it's always been class, but this is the first time that they've went back that time period and are actually focusing on Hollywood and the film world yeah, and film production, yeah. and I can't fucking wait. Yeah. Cannot wait for it. I mean, I've actually been looking forward to this film, like I said before the podcast, for about four years because it was wrote about five years ago, and there's been gossip and all these words and rewrites and drafts and you know, people cast, people not cast for about four years, and it's finally now you know due to be released. Mm. It's going to be fucking amazing. And I'm not just saying that because, as a consequence, the trailer itself just showed me everything that I expected it to be which is strange like but it, it, it's exactly how I imagined it would be I heard an interesting thing brought up about it though is what is it with cones and kidnapping yeah there's a lot of kidnapping in their it's, like, it's like the Big Lebowski in the 1940s now basically like, yeah. that's, that's just, uh, like a Big Lebowski I mean her life is in your hands, man. But like in, in Fargo as well, there's kidnapping, isn't there? And then there's yeah, there's kidnapping, and in no, actually, is no, there, blood, there blood a, sample, there's not. Is there kidnapping? No country. No, nah, no country. Yeah, he just no country boys. <laughs> is, there, is there kidnapping? No country. Nah, he just fucking <laughs> horses daggers on the boys' heads. So there's we, definitely uh, another kidnapping one there as well. I can't imagine. There is. We'll, we'll get it there. I'm trying to think of a blood sample. Doesn't raise in Arizona? Doesn't Miller's Crossing? Raise in Arizona does. Miller's raise in Arizona does. Yeah. Miller's Crossing is there's an execution which doesn't. Uh, they they, yeah. they sort of kidnap or they grab John Turturro's character. Barton Fink doesn't. Hotsucker Proxy. All right, doesn't. we don't have to go through all. <laughs> I'm trying to think. No, I think I think you're on this one here. So I think you're on this one. It's not really a theme. It's like two films. I guess. It's like four. <laughs> we named four. It's three. We named three. Four. three. Four. Fargo, Big Lebowski, and Raise in Arizona. And right, head season. The cones are fetishes for kidnapping. Uh, Dom, you barely spoke. Come on, oh, earn your wage, son. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, See, not really paying it. <laughs> it's huge cost. It looks very interesting. Cost. Looks very interesting. I, I thought you were about to pretend you'd seen it there. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't know what we were talking about. So I really liked it. It was uh, great cinema talk. I was there on the set. He You know Dom's serious when he gets elbows in the table. <laughs> I, well, I love Coen, Coen Brothers uh, films, so I'm definitely going to go watch that. Good stuff, man. And it looks Hair. like it's going to be very funny. Looks fucking sweet. Heron, what do you think of? 
I thought exactly as, uh, as you said yourself. It's kind of exactly what I expected. I mean, I was, or exactly what I hoped for. Mm-hmm. Not not what I expected, but the cones are. They definitely will have a lot of unexpected things on there. But I just look all the heavy hitters, all the, all the good cast, all the. Jo- where the fuck's John Goodman though? I know. Where he's bound to be in there somewhere. Where's John Turturro? He needs to, he's, <laughs> a, he's on there somewhere too, I reckon. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm exact fuck he's all looking at me now. <laughs> exactly. But uh, uh no, I like the fact Josh Brolin. It's it sort of seems like Josh Brolin, Planeer, the sort of the two I Josh Brolin looks incredible in it. He always uh, does to, to be honest, when I first saw the trailer. I thought it was fucking Gangster Squad 2. Yeah. And Gangster Squad is a shit film. No, yeah, it's like fucking it. shit. <laughs> no, we discussed this, discussed this in last I week's podcast. I refuse to engage you. Gandhi is stepping in again. I refuse to engage you in this argument. Because I will stop, destroy you. Stop talking. <laughs> Sandals on the chin. <laughs> Sand on the one's back. <laughs> Sandals on the band. Fuck it. <laughs> Sandals on my ginger. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to break out the Raymond dictionary now. <laughs> the other one. I used to have a set of dictionaries. notes to I can now tell where your life's panned out. How it is. <laughs> and I always wondered, do you not just need one? I have all the dictionaries. <laughs> 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 Oh, it's fuck. How about it? Is that how's that one? Nice. That's grandly. It's how it is. I cry every night. <laughs> 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 Do you ever hear lube tears now? <laughs> 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 dictionary tears. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like he spent those nights crying on those dictionaries. <laughs> <laughs> Wondering where the story is. <laughs> <laughs> Never finds a word he's looking for. <laughs> It's fucking around here somewhere. Hold on. It's on one of these bastard books. Must read just this. I can't put my finger on it. Hey, what the fuck am I feeling? Uh, okay. That's it like takes ages to get the M. Like. See how much the finger work happening there? Like, like. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> to the. The trailer we all want to talk about. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Do you know what? I, I don't think there's anything else I can be considered about because obviously it's a teaser trailer. The title alone tells you exactly what It tells what's... you absolutely everything. Exactly <laughs> Although I have to say, I think I would prefer Pride and Prejudice and Zombies <laughs> involved. <laughs> a couple of zombies thrown in there. I'm yeah. not the biggest fan of period sort of films or stories like that. Yeah. But with a few zombies thrown in, definitely give it a go. Hopefully Easy. this starts like a, a period movement for zombie films. Dinosaurs and zombies. <laughs> but no, like exactly. I, I heard earlier the day that uh, the trailer was out for it. And before I actually watched it, I was thinking like, what could the trailer be? And I, was, I thought, oh, it'd be good if they actually presented it like Pride and Prejudice. And then you just see like a zombie behind her kind of thing. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. And it's so fucking stupid. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, oh, I can't even watch this. When, <laughs> when the trailer first started, I had no idea what you pull on. And like, I, I started giggling at the start of the trailer at how naff it was. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is like the most cliched period drama. It's like Downton Abbey on fucking bangers. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, was like, no, like, I, I thought this is, is this? as somebody like taking a hand or is this like the most fucking non- 
are like the laziest fucking period drum ever made and then I realised that they were obviously trying to rump that up they fucking 11 yeah. they try and hook you in that and then this fucking zombie appears out of nowhere I don't know I think it'll be a bit of crack it's, I think it, it definitely will be, be to go on the safe list for sort of hangover <laughs> films uh, yeah. Yeah. get you nicely through a hangover that one they're doing another one uh, Tango and Cash and Zombies <laughs> 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 uh, that's going to be good luck I think I have to ask maybe Thelma and Louise and Zombies uh, I've heard about the Shawshank Zombie as well yeah. <laughs> the Shawshank Zombie that's an amazing film <laughs> love it <laughs> ETZ extraterrestrial zombies <laughs> McCabe and Mrs. Zombie that's it yeah. <laughs> Homeward bound and zombies. Twelve angry zombies. Twelve <laughs> angry zombies. The assassination of uh, Jesse James by the car Robert Ford and zombies. <laughs> so he came back. Hi, <laughs> Jesse's after him. <laughs> no, but he came back in and murdered Robert Ford. <laughs> and he and came he's back. <laughs> Uh, okay, I think we're done with that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move on to topics. topics, 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 topics. Yeah, I know. Uh, why'd you, you stay away? <laughs> um, oh, shit. Abby, do you want to go first for your topic? Well, my topic that I chose was dystopian films and post-apocalyptic films. And I chose that because I'm so addicted to them. So uh, they, they keep talking to me, lads, here. Like, have you got any favourite ones? Uh, Children of Men. Children of Men. Children yeah. of Men, oh, for sure. That's definitely in my top five, for sure. Phenomenal. And I think that, strange enough, Children of Men, for me, should be considered one of the probably the best films of the past 30 years. And fair enough, I crept on the IMDb Top 250, which I don't really put a lot of faith in anyway. But I still think it's underrated because it's so good. Like, yeah. every aspect of that film is incredible. Absolutely. What's scary is that there's, I always bring up TV tropes, but there's a thing about dystopian futures. TV tropes have a trope on there called 20 minutes into the future. And what's scary about Children of Men is that it's not this outside the realms of possibility future like Star Wars where there's like fucking flying cars and stuff like that. Well, Star Wars is technically a long a long time ago. Uh, a long time ago. Any galaxy <laughs> far, far, far away. away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, the thing about Children of Men is that it seems like our world, but there's just these wee slight tweaks that throw you off. There's slight wee things you see in there where you can understand that it's not the world that we're living in. And I think that's even scarier because then when you see how far society's fucking plummeted in these few short years between maybe 2015 and when this film said, I think it's like 2027 or something. Yeah, can't something, quite remember. It's like 2027. But what's even worse is that you can kind of imagine that actually happening because they portray it in such a realist way. Yeah. Especially now because the whole thing about children and men is the immigration well, first the main thing about children and men is that you know people can't have children anymore but the other thing is like the immigration crisis and stuff yeah. like that and that's exactly what's starting to happen now and when I was like reading the news I think a couple weeks back about the whole Syrian uh, you know evacuation of people and them trying to find new homes children and men shot in the head I was like Jesus Christ yeah. is this life imitating art yeah. you know what I mean I was like fucking hell that could this happen we like especially with Britain near enough closing its fucking borders and that's why in the film, Britain, you know, there, there's that big propaganda video in Children of Men. It says, yeah. Britain stands strong. Stands whereas all the rest of the countries yeah. are falling apart because they let too many immigrants in and stuff well, like that. The, the world's just falling apart because it's, it's, it's no crazy being born. And uh, Britain's the only one that's got any sort of stability left. Yeah. yeah. And if you go then on the basic level of just, you know, film mechanics, that Children of Men is just funny. It's some of the best 
tracking shots. I've ever seen the tracking yeah. shot at the end that of Children of Men. I don't understand Way how they accomplished that. Unbelievable. You know where Charlie is it? Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. He, Jacks. He's, yeah. He's playing a big dreadlocked. Yeah, Jordy. Jordy. <laughs> he's, got, he's gone back to his original original Jordy accent, yeah. which is nice. And then he's he starts singing that song, and he's I trying to, around the, trying to kill again? him. And that's where the little blood spatter comes on the lens. That's, that's really nice. Class. And then yeah, when the like stuff, you see when song comes on the lens, people like yeah. it. They think it's you ended. But it, to me, it just reminds me. It, it makes me aware that there's a shot there. Uh, for me, I, I just, I just, I, I don't. I mean, people rave about children of men. I'm actually not a wild big fan of children of men. I, I, I really like it aesthetically and all that. There, I think it's a great film, but I think it's a really well trodden path in terms of the story. It has a lot of great elements in it, but I find as a dystopian story, it's a fairly well trodden path. I think it's the most realistic dystopian future that I've seen. I know it's well directed. Of that topic, but the actual the the core story of it, I, I just I just think it's really that. But even even the the main plot point of people not being able to have children anymore that's all that I've never seen before, and even that yeah. is a fucking niche. And, and it's I've, an interesting I've, thing I've they delve into. It's very powerful when she brings the baby out of the block of flats, and all the soldiers are yeah. trying to run up. They're chasing after the fishes. And everybody stops shooting. And like and even even when the even when the soldier starts crying and yeah, stuff, they like, fuck. and then and then as they walk away, the the battle starts again. They yeah, the whole just the, the whole concept of, of having child. a youngest person in yeah. the world, mm, especially yeah. because they're like most of the people fighting would be the last children ever born. Yep. So they would have never been like they would have never seen a baby. They, it would have been like a myth and a legend that these babies they would never knew what babies were and because they yeah. were the last ones. Even that concept yeah. in its own right. I mean, even though it's not kind of shown in the film, but the concept of most of the people or mostly young people in the world, the children of men said, have never seen a child. Yeah, and that yeah. is thoroughly depressing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like it's that alone. Like if you if you delve on that, is is fucking heartbreaking. The very end I don't want to see fucking wines fed on them. We'll see why, how you feel in twenty twenty seven. Why why are you taking wines to the summer now? Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's bullshit. I just want to go on and watch Inside Out. Why are you bringing your wine? <laughs> <laughs> this is nine o'clock. Should be in bed. Maybe should ask like the maybe should ask the summer. Do a midnight show on a fucking Inside Out for you, Mikey? Just you land down yourself. No, Mikey was on with fucking couple of bags of sweets, we hat and all. <laughs> <laughs> we hat, we inside out hat and all. Yeah, that's, so hey. What the fuck are all his wings doing? Bro, his next wings. He had his up fleece on and all. Purple up fleece, like Bear Max tracks and all. A handful of balloons for no reason. Just lands on, happy days. Like, Where the fuck are all his wings in my fucking cinema at one o'clock on a fucking Saturday? We cunts. <laughs> Should be out stealing things or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're the wings. <laughs> <The wins. laughs> I've had all the. Oh, I can't even mind what I used to steal. Um. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh. Have you ever seen the film Four Forty Four: The Last Day on Earth? No. no. It's Willem Dafoe as well. With Abby Brock. Always doing the mad ones, Willem. Willem's a mad one. Willem, Willem's great in the mad ones. It's no. This is uh. They know the word's going to end at four forty-four on this day, right. and so it's just about Willem Dafoe and his and his girlfriend kind of on their last day, and they they have sex and there's a, a shot yes. of a <laughs> vagina just being fingered for about ten minutes. What? <laughs> what? It's very strange. So is this just a softcore porn film? <laughs> it's, it's it's just very weird. 
and and then uh Willem the Chief. Well Willem Dafoe <laughs> like is just being an ex drug addict, so he, he starts trying to go score some smack for the last day, because why the fuck not, like? And everybody's having big parties and all and it's 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 just a very strange Is that a film? film where everybody is Skyping each other and it's like, you know, one hour till freaking the D moment and everybody's Skyping I don't know, I don't think Melan- so. Do I think Melan- of the same Collier. film? Is that no, would that be a melancholy dystop- actually melancholy. there's a dystopian that's, film that's I forgot about. Lars von Trier. Uh, Although I, I recommended Melancholy. Melancholy I love. Oh, I recommended Melancholy to a girl in a bar last night. I came fucking my way. I don't even know how it came up in conversation, but Lars von Trier. Pretty fucked up the She's writer. probably lying in her same, house right now, quivering in a corner. I think it's yeah. hey, she's probably now she's probably having a panic attack as we speak. That girl I recommended, Melancholy. <laughs> Nowhere yeah. near Antichrist. I've, I think it's his probably most accessible film. But it was so it was so, like because it was one of those films that for the first 40, 45 minutes you just thought this is shit. Mm. Uh, Melancholy, I'm talking about yeah. because you didn't have a clue what was going on. You yes. knew all these people were the guests at this wedding. They were acting really strange. You had no idea why. But then once you realise why, then I, got, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a it's, there's two meaning. Well, the film is about the end of the world it's dystopian but the f- the the main character Kirsten Dunst she's actually got clinical depression yes so it's an it's an exploration of clinical depression as she's she's sees life as hopeless at the beginning of the film and then you see like she's quite happy when the the, the end of the world happens uh. when everyone else actually becomes yeah hope senses hopeless I think one of, one of the yeah, one, yeah, okay. one of the best ways that I hear Paul as well about Kirsten Dunstan's character and Melancholy is because she's got clinical depression every day is her end of the world mm. yeah. because she doesn't want to be alive like essentially yeah. so again that's a fucking pretty depressing route they, they take when it comes to the script they handle that pretty well uh, like uh, for Lars von Trier I think it's his most accessible film uh, like, like Antichrist and, and even uh, is it Nymphomaniac Nymphomaniac sorry parts 1 and 2 they're also not accessible I, whatsoever I, I think last week we called it Necromaniac Necromaniac which is very difficult to be honest dead bodies it, it wouldn't surprise you exactly. it wouldn't surprise you but uh, not at all there's probably a bit on there I th- one, of the, one of the sort of <laughs> scariest or most unsettling final scenes I've ever seen in a film and spoilers for Melancholia if anybody hasn't seen it but is the last shot where they're sitting on top of the hull and it's Charlotte Gainsborough it's Curse and Dunce and it's just how close the planet that's yeah, about to claim yeah. Earth is. Oh, and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, like, 
it's so like the planet is so big that it's literally now taking up the whole sky yeah, so you can't yeah, see yeah. sky anymore you yeah, can just see yeah, that planet yeah. and fair enough it might still be about a couple of thousand miles away but it's about to wipe everything out and it's horrifying really fucking okay. horrifying do you know I always think of that scene every time there's a supermoon and then people yeah. start posting up those pics mm. on Facebook well like, oh, look at this supermoon picture I took in Nepal last and the moon is like literally <laughs> and you're going you know that's it like that bit in El Cop well they can't breathe because the planet's yeah. so close yeah. and I'm going no folks that definitely yeah. photoshopped <laughs> that supermoon there we'd all be dead are you, are you terrified at the super blood moon then just more threatening yeah. <laughs> she like Self home with these, like, <laughs> but I that's what I like about a, a good dystopian film for me would be that real because we live in a very sort of all of us here generally quite comfortable, you know, we're not living in a civil war or you know, we're not facing starvation every day or you know, wor- worrying about where, where we're going to sleep or whatever. The ro- the, like the road, I think, is it's got to be the best. I've never read the book, but the road, like you see, so many pi- post-apocalyptic films yeah. where people are sort of running, running free and wild in this human world that's constructed as we as we created it. But then you see the road without, ev- as everything's gone to shit with, without yeah. any food, yeah. and then it's just turned into a sort of cannibalism. And I, 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 I found that film really powerful to watch. As it, again, those films for me come across quite therapeutically. I yeah. don't know why. I just to see that sort of the realism of a dystopian style film. Yeah, you just yeah, definitely. The and the realism like, is the clincher for yeah, me. Yeah. The, my favorite ones are the ones where you kind of feel like, okay, this could happen to me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in ten years' time, I could see <clears throat> something like that happening in yeah. my life. Yeah. Exactly. That's the clincher. That's exactly why like children of men is so much power. And I think like you were saying too about like dystopian in, in a strange way, like dystopian future films being sort of therapeutic. I think sometimes they're therapeutic because by the end of it you're all think, Fuck, I'm living in the real yeah. world now. Like think fuck that's not <laughs> yeah. the case at the minute. Yeah. It's almost therapeutic. You kinda appreciate what you have more because you can imagine if the world could go that way, you yeah. know what I mean? That how shit life would be. Would you say The Matrix is dystopian future? Nah, it's more... Well... No, no, no it's, it's, it's not because it's set modern time. Yeah. It's just a... Uh, Judge Dredd would be a dystopian. And it would be like, the, yeah. the, the suppose the Matrix is like this world mm. that we are in now is the dystopia, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we, in a way we think, well, not so much uh, we think it's utopia, but we just, we don't really know what reality is yeah, yeah. I mean, a kraken sorry go ahead Aaron. no no I was just going to say like for me not, not necessarily apocalyptic but dystopian for me and hands down my favourites Blade Runner like oh, yeah. Wow. oh yeah. yeah how did we not come up with that and it's just I think it's because in what you're saying about everything being stripped away and stuff Blade Runner is the opposite yeah. of a dystopia because it's a society that has everything and too much and it has excess you know everything's piled way high you know and there's far too much media. There's you know there's, there's just oh. everything and everybody is essentially desensitized and they're just they're just blank so much so that they might as well be robots. Yeah, and that's the main question <clears throat> of the film. And I think that I I, I just adore that film. I think in 1982 as well, you know, bald and as high as possible, and especially as well, we're having these big kind of garish, huge neon advertisements. It's definitely like a criticism of fucking American capitalism it's definitely a criticism of like Reaganomics and Reagan era America and stuff like that Uh, also just to cut on about uh, Blade Runner 
me and Heron went to a house party last night. We were sat at 7 o'clock this morning, blocked. Now, usually you'd be listening to a bit of laid-back music. We were listening to the Blade Runner soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> Lovely. Fucking <laughs> weird, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well done, lads. Fucking Lovely everywhere. stuff. It's a bit of an out there one, like, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think we all took a moment when it came up. I can't remember. <laughs> it, it was the thing when uh, when Sean Young's telling the story about, uh, uh, or Harrison Ford tells her a story from her her memory implants about the spider and it gave birth to a thousand spiders and stuff. And he's telling her that she's a robot and she didn't know she was a robot. And uh, it's just there's a there's a, there's a lovely song in that scene, and that's one we all. We were chatting away, having a bit of crack. This is brilliant. The music's great. And we all just sat for a minute going, let's get you in there. <laughs> <laughs> let's get you in there. I was crying and hugging her at this point. Like it, was, it, was, it, was, it was that stage of the night. You, you uh, did, did you start thinking about you were a robot? Time or, uh, <laughs> I always do. You, you, I was telling Shannon about the, the spider story. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shannon's how you replicant. That's the fuck you're about. Just another good one. They, they kind of maybe... Wrap her up. I'm. I'm not even going to go on it, but I'm. I'm just going to bluntly say that it's a cracking dystopian film, and, and if you want to give it a watch, give it a watch. But uh, Brazil by Brazil's Terry Gilliam. Yeah. yeah, Brazil's an absolute fucking building show as well. That's is that the one written by the the Monty Python? Yeah, no, it's directed yeah. by Terry, Terry Gilliam from Monty yeah. Python. Yeah, yeah and cool. also he he done like oh, it's not really a dystopian future. Well, he saw of twelve twelve monkeys as well. He directed that too. Yes, that's, that's a fucking cool. Really oh, yeah. He seems yeah. to have a, a massive interest in what, what the What are your favourite yeah. dystopian or slash post-apocalyptic films then? Yeah, well, what's my, yours? Abby? Okay, so my favourite is definitely Children of Men is in there, right? Boom. But my number, my number one has to be, just for sheer horror, has to be Threads. Have you ever seen Oh, Threads? Yes. Yeah. I've my seen God! Now that was made in 1980 something so think, in the early 80s, yeah. and it was made for BBC television. It was yeah. made for for TV film, you know. So yeah. you know, you kind of hear that, and you don't hold out much hope. So I was not in any way prepared for what I was about to see, and it was like this nu- the the effects of nuclear war on yeah. Sheffield in specific, mm. right? So uh, now for sheer realism. Now, I came away from that film and it took me a good couple of hours to recover. You know, that way when you just feel like, I don't know, terrified. You just watch that girl's there's, world crumble. There's a yeah, that, absolutely. That, that final yeah. scene as well. And there's remember a, that final scene yeah. with the woman who kept... Rep- they have this one video. There's one scene where they have this one video. Is this going to be a spoiler? Mm. No, uh, no. If your yeah, listeners. Whatever it is. There's one scene where they have this one... There's only one video left and they play it all the time in this sort of place where yeah. a lot of them are hanging out. They're, they're, they're basically for refugees. And it's like, you know a kids show the alphabet A for something B yeah. for blah 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 and you just see this old woman and she knows every word mm. and every inflection of the voice because she's watched the film that many times mm. it's really freaky so mm. she's you just see her going B for bird and it's <laughs> fu- you, I couldn't even you need to watch it to understand yeah. how freaky that that scene is but it is brilliant when I, when I first watched that film because it was a made for TV BBC obviously drama the fact that it now is so ridiculously influential and the fact that mm. so many people talk about it just shows how much an impact that had uh, yeah. it's it disgustingly really it like there's a scene where the, the end, woman who, who, who's pissing herself yeah. and stuff you see that part it's, yeah. it's just oh it's so unsettling uh, it is, uh, that is gritty realism you could really imagine mm. all of us could it, easily it, be in that situation it was a powerful film because it completely changed Britain's 
whole perception of having nuclear weapons yes. Yes. that yeah. brought about the whole disarmament. So it was, yeah. col- it was culturally fucking significant yeah. as well. Yeah. Because I know that even through FM, what I've always seen about threads is whereas you see any other dystopian future film, be it Children of Men or be it Brazil, you can notice the cinematography, you can notice that, but because it is a BBC made for TV drama, it's so stripped down and there's no real pomp about it whatsoever that it seems a wee bit more realistic and it seems mm. a w- that you can imagine it more. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it is so stripped down and it seems so real life. I mean, you can actually look at that and think that's fucking almost like a, a mockumentary. You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's frightening. Yeah. Has ever she a, see a show called The Quiet Air? No. 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 It's, it's based on a book and it's about... Uh, I think the film I think it's a setting this, this sounds fucking terrible and any body from New Zealand or Australia is going to fucking hate me but it's set in either Australia or New Zealand <laughs> 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 but uh, anyway uh, <laughs> I, no to be honest I think it's, it's, it's New Zealand like. but uh, I think th- this guy wakes up and tries to kind of go about his day to day and everything's gone well, uh, all the people are gone like cars are stopped in the street and everything and just everything's exactly as it was but just it seems like just the people are removed from it and you know shop doors are still open and cars are stopped in the middle of the street and stuff and he thinks he's the last person on earth and it becomes you know i'm not going to say if, if he finds anybody else or not because that's always the thing of is he going to meet find somebody else in this in this sort of universe but I mean, there's the whole thing about there's like a perhaps a nuclear attack, or maybe he has to set off a nuclear attack, or you know, and it actually becomes this mad existential thing about you know what if you were the last person on earth? But it's it it's technically as I suppose post apocalyptic because yeah. that's that's how it's set up at the start. Yeah. But you don't know if it is or not. But brilliant film, quite earth. Yeah, I'll check, okay, check it out. Just sure. just as a wee quick thing. What would you do if you were the last person on earth? Buy a knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd buy what? a knife. Buy a buy knife. Even though it's not to buy it from. T- Tesco's checkout. He <laughs> <laughs> still leave them on it all. His last fiver just fucking. Pay the extra five people a bag. Assistance needed. And he's just waiting there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, be stuck at the fucking checkout. Just phrases. I go on the subway and steal all the Southwest sauce. This was so normal. The fucking paper that's here. Nobody would take the fucking hand out of me. Well, even at that there, you could just get one out of your fucking drawer. Like, <laughs> but you, you need a new you, one. You want to go somewhere good and get a really good knife, just in case. I probably have a fiver side. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think the only thing you do if you're the last person on earth is just light a massive fire. You'd wank them. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, I'd probably have a wank and then you'd finally myself. have the house to I'd, yourself. I'd, I'd, yeah. This is this is Dom's like, major complaint that he never has the house to himself. Right, you literally have the whole I, I, world Dom, to yourself. I, Dom has the world to himself. And it's all. You could just stand in there. You could wank in the garden. You just be bitten around wanking in strange places. I always <laughs> wanted they wank here. No, but happy days. No, but it, even if you were confident you were the last person on earth, I think you still would pull, 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 always, pull the curtains over. You still have that bit of paranoia when you were out there in the middle of the fields of Ardmore. Because if, if there is... If, if <laughs> With the breeze blowing around your bits. Because <laughs> if, if there is another person, you don't want them yeah. your first meeting, do you? You have no one. Yeah. <laughs> you just, up, you just up in a cliff hanging it off of yourself. Just. Absolutely. <laughs> fuck 
stop <laughs> getting the chance of restarting the species if they come well, along the hill and all know, the if, first if, thing they see. If the last woman on earth saw the last man on earth, you have to. Fuck you her. have to. <laughs> you, you do have to, and she'd probably be very happy to see a man still virile enough. To get it going. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. It really would depend. Oh, you're not wanking over the corpses of the dead or something like that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just a giant <laughs> pile of like. You make a wee space for yourself where there's no dead people, and then you. <laughs> <laughs> Just spinning, spinning, spinning round. No, we've just released in like obviously a post, a post, a post-apocalyptic world. There's no such thing as a danger wink anymore. There, no, no exactly. because you can't what? shout to anybody. You've, you've always heard about a danger wink. What's a danger wink? Michael, even I know what a danger wink is. Michael, what is he? Oh, Jesus, Michael, is. Michael, I'm not even a fella. A danger wink is essentially that you start winking, but then you call your mad downstairs. They come up upstairs and you have to finish, but then she gets up. So you're under right. pressure to finish. Like, well, is it, is why it would you ever do that? Outside, Some people are just very it. disturbed. I like to relax when I have a wank. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't need this added pressure. That's, that's a therapeutic thing. <laughs> you want to get that action? That's why I can't find the word. Have you never had um, it, like a danger shag, like had sex in public, like the I risk had, of getting caught. I had sex when someone was sleeping on the sofa and we were having sex in the living room. It's a good night, Mickey. Okay, yeah. Have you never sort of had sex like in the yeah. cinema or anything like that? I wasn't Not too many wings, but... <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Moving uh, swiftly on. I fear I've shared too much. Um... <laughs> uh, Abby, do, do you need to go or are you alright for another one? Uh, or... What time are we on? It's 20 past 8. Oh, yeah, I have to. Okay. But um, before I go, can I just mention V for Vendetta? I've seen it's one of my favourites oh, yes. ever. Yes. Good show. Well, I, 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 saw that a few I would ago. just like to say that that last, fi- that last scene in that film where they're blowing up the par- Houses of Parliament made me realise that there will always be a spark in me that's an absolute anarchist. Because <laughs> it gives me my heart so much joy. Like, my heart just doubles in size at that scene <laughs> I feel like a Christian watching songs of praise when I see that <laughs> <laughs> lovely stuff Abby do you have to depart in there yeah well so it's been sorry. an absolute pleasure this is a first I am so no, sorry no one's ever that we, I have to go we couldn't no. we couldn't even keep a woman here for a whole show <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll come back <laughs> we're all slagging like talk Mickey when can I be right, dead cool. right, I no, feel I like should give you boys some privacy now <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot lads well uh, obviously me and you have just realised that we're absolutely handjob Kevin we'll be there tomorrow <laughs> right in handjob oh no Kevin. wait you want to talk about us being neighbours sorry Thought you wanted to talk well, about Well, I mean, us being neighbours, obviously, Paul's on them to exactly. hand you up, Kevin. <laughs> Call around <laughs> to me at lunchtime tomorrow. I we'll start the script. I, we'll start I, the first draft. I'm looking forward to you passing each other in the street and just Abby being all, hand job, Kevin. <laughs> 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 everyone thinks that's your name. <laughs> We're starting to write them around. This, thing, this shit's real. Shit just got real. Okay, do you want, do you want to say bye to the listeners, Abby? Goodbye, listeners. It's been a ball. Bam. Okay, we'll move on to the next topic. Who's gone? Yes, my topic is it. Oh. Yeah. Well, what a what a lovely time we had with Abby there. Yes. The first time we have a woman on the podcast, we talk about masturbating over corpses. <laughs> <laughs> now that she's left, let's no, talk about. Let's talk about <laughs> uh, my topic today is. Why do you have a knife? 
I just like it. Why do you have a knife in your... It's my masturbation knife. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I just realised you, you're not that I, you're not that I play with a knife with your tongue to me. Dominic is that sexual. It's like a sausage. He, 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 cuts, he, he cuts three slats on the top of a cock just to let a bit of heat off. Like, I mean, when I, when I pull the, the knife out, I uh, put my hand down my pants. I call it buttering my bread. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, fuck. Both sides. <laughs> 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 my my topic is now this would go back to some of the films i watched during the week i i mentioned saint vincent and yeah. i said it was just a a warmer softcore version of gran torino somebody spoke about michael douglas earlier the film the realtor is a very similar style film to that where uh you know a grumpy old man falls up usually with a child involved. So I, I wanted to ask you about films that define certain genres or subgenres or films that have completely changed a sub subgenre or a, a genre as itself. Um, I watched another film called, I think it was Better Through Chemistry, Sam Rockwell. Better Loving Through Chemistry? Better Living Through Chemistry. Yeah. That was kind of like a, a knockoff version of american beauty as in it's kind of a, a critique or an exploration of the problems of living in suburbia but not quite as i don't know it didn't sort of get inside your psyche yeah. as much however sam rockwell played a very good character in that i think there's a few there's one i talked about a few weeks back and obviously we, we've questioned sometimes about calling this podcast the carpenter cast because we fucking talk about john carpenter so much but Halloween, Halloween defined the slasher genre, yeah. and then I talked about the irony of how Halloween, if you look at it, is more akin to Psycho and the fact that it's a psychological sort of horror and not like a you know guts and gore sort of horror. Yeah. Uh, and then when Halloween two came out, because of like the outpouring then, like Afraid of the Thirteen, Fan Nightmare on Elm Street, because they were ridiculously gory and over the top. Halloween 2 felt that it needed to be that, so the creator became the imitator in a strange yeah, way. Right. So there was a, a weird sort of crossroads there. Then you've got the, like, say, American Beauty. Like, I, I think before 1999, there was maybe some films like Ordinary People, which was the sort of suburban, middle-class, existential crisis yes, drama, but then yes. American Beauty kind of talked that and, and dragged the kicking and screaming at saying they maybe the, you know, the 2000s and, 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 and the modern audiences. But the one I want to go off on one, and maybe it's not genre-defining, but it's it's literally like film-defining, history-wise, because it's so controversial. Is it's uh, not Batman, is it? No, nah, it's Birth of a Nation. Uh, Birth of a Nation. I've never seen it. That's the 1920s. 1915. It's just like, how low can you go? <laughs> 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 it's the pointless answer. But uh, 1915, D.W. Birth of a Nation is uh, essentially the the first ever feature film. Birth of a Nation created feature films, whereas up until then you had actualities, which are pretty much a precursor to documentary, or you had just, you know, short films, which were maybe, you know, 3D, 15 minutes long at most, yeah. and D.W. Griffith was, you know, a big purveyor then before he came on to Birth of a Nation. Now, Birth of a Nation obviously created most of the language of cinema, so many editing techniques, so many things that you just take for granted that are a part of any film that you've ever watched. Uh, like probably one of the top three most important films ever made. And you know that, it's, and, and, and it's the whole it's a Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, that that, that that's film, what I'm saying. That this this is why its legacy is somewhat, well, not somewhat massively tarnished. Is that 
it's the first ever feature film and it near enough created the language of cinema but the actual plot of the film is glorifying the Ku Klux Klan and the enemy in the film are African Americans, black people and essentially they are portrayed as being beasts who the Ku Klux Klan has to civilize and murder to protect the white nation of America. It's fuck like this film that's so much culturally for cinema but then also looking back it's 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 a fucking a null point when it, when it comes to culture too because of its depiction of, of fucking African Americans and, and, and how fucking poor it is like I mean it's 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 well, it's, it's vicious what is well you know it's vicious to, it's still vicious in America after when we talked about focus earlier yeah and that's uh, obviously it's, uh, yeah. I mean, like, still linger. It's all oh, definitely. I mean, racism is not gone in America. I don't think racism is gone in the world, which is a fucking ridiculously sad thing. One of the worst things about the world at the fucking minute, obviously. But uh, it's just crazy to think that a film that is so significant. Without that film, you don't. Fair enough. Somebody would have done it eventually after D. W. Griffith, who is a genius, and it comes back to that thing like Polanski a couple of weeks back is that Polanski is a directorial genius. Obviously not but as significant as D.W. Griffith because he literally near enough created the feature film and created near enough, well, not himself created the language of cinema, but then at the same time, you're kind of against giving him all that credit because of the depiction in that film. But then at the same time, it's always been argued by scholars and, you know, academics that D.W. Griffith wasn't actually a racist and it was just a product of its time and he just directed the film because then his 1916 film, which is almost seen as being even more important in tolerance, I think it's called uh, A Story of Love Amongst Ages as the subtitle. That was a three and a half hour film in 1916. Battleship Potemkin or whatever. Battleship Potemkin by Sergei Eisenstein. That's like 1928, I think. Uh, That's also... Essentially, uh, Battleship Potemkin near enough created the modern modern acceptance or or the modern technique of editing and how editing can actually Uh, work to create imagery. uh, It actually created editing through not showing... Yeah. But anyway, going back to Intolerance, Intolerance then was almost like a, an apology for, well, some people say it's an apology for uh, Birth of a Nation. And it was almost like D.W. Griffith kind of saying that, oh, this is love amongst ages, and they tried to show our cultures, but I'm not quite sure. For for me, it's not quite genre-defining, but I, th- I think it's massively important to talk about. It is film-defining, even though it has some fucking serious, deep-rooted flaws on it. I would say a genre-defining for me was uh five dollars mm. um just primarily well primarily the music any leonelic i have no but particularly because that, that's that's his technically his, his first film like his first big feature and uh i mean he had an american star in it and this kind of stuff and all and uh i mean i think clint Eastwood did rawhide and stuff before mm. that there but paint your um, wagon uh, <laughs> paint your wagon as well paint your wagon as well but uh Oh, I don't know, they paint the wagons. But, uh, what do you want? No, he, uh, it was w- what, what Leon defined about the Western was, and, and actually, in fairness, a, a lot of films was, uh, serious, uh, individual thematic music. Because Westerns before that sort of had their original sound, they had a soundtrack that was sort of almost stocky and hands memory. Oh, that's that kind of film. Let's do this. And that, that, the Western kind of had that. Before Sergio Leone, um, it, it was this repeated thing, and then Festival of Dollars comes along, and I think, well, one, it looks fucking great. Mm-hmm. 
and it's a proper fucking cinema scope, sixteen by nine, big fucking massive. Yeah. Wide, you know, big massive wide, great scenery shots and stuff. Just drinking in this unbelievable landscape that they were shooting. Exactly. It was shot. It was. Is it? They call it spaghetti westerns because they said it was shot in Italy, but I think it's shot actually in Morocco. Is it now? Not quite sure. I, c- I can't quite remember where it shot, but obviously the spaghetti western tag does. It's shot in because, Europe anyway. Yeah, like. Europe. But um, I and uh, I think just from one element changing one element. I mean, obviously he's a great shooter. Obviously his films always were just visually really punchy, but for changing one thing alone, uh, which was the soundtrack, he managed to actually define the genre mm. uh, of. Alright, that's the Western. That's the whatever. That's that kind of Western there. And which which honestly influenced so many people after it. Influenced Tarantino, influenced, you know, influenced so many people. Like particularly Tarantino, like in the modern day, people say like how he introduces characters back and forth and all. I mean Tarantino was just constantly, constantly mimicking uh yep. Sergio Leone. Even though he like the music beats of like fucking it, it, it's a mashup of Sergio Leone and Japanese cinema as well. Yeah. But, I mean, the quick zooms come from Japanese cinema, but uh, the music interludes and stuff like this here, they come from Sergio Leone cinema, but, and the big, massive, wide, sweeping uh, crane shots are Leone as well. But he definitely defined the Western uh, at the time. Like, uh, well, I mean, well, at the same time, like, I mean, you say he defined it, he, he didn't quite create because obviously he would say, like, oh, like so John cha- Ford, you know. He, he didn't create it, but I'd say he redefined it. Maybe redefined it. Precisely, redefined the Western, I think. Uh, a strange one as well, because it's probably one of my, if well, if not my favourite film genre, and it's maybe my favourite film. You know, pe- people stop me on the street and ask me what my favourite film is. <laughs> but, like, it's like fucking, I've always said there's no such thing as a favourite film, because your favourite film depends on your mood or the kind of mindset that you're in and for me your favourite film can change day by day some people might ask me what's your favourite film I could say Taxi Driver the next day I could say The Apartment the next day I could say you know and that's what I was going to say The Maltese Falcon and The Maltese Falcon for me essentially well not only essentially it, it started Fall the War the Maltese Falcon was the first ever Fall in the War and it is fucking absolutely phenomenal it defined all the troops all the traits Hard Boiled Detective P.A. Uh, the femme fatale, this uh, MacGuffin that really doesn't actually mean anything whatsoever, which is the Maltese Falcon, and this sort of, like we were saying before about Falnor, we had discussion about you know many moons back, I think it was back in episode 10, this whole thing that knowledge is power, and being in the know, and being uh, in the right circles helmet, is power. Yeah. And because obviously it's it's based off these sort of pulpy novels and these and these hardboard novels, pulpy. it works so well. But the Maltese Falcon for me is so good. And what's good again, kind of going back to what, what year is that? Nineteen forty-one. Nineteen forty-one, I think, or thirty thirty. No, forty-one. I'm that's forty-one. But uh, <laughs> I was going to say thirty-nine, but that's too early. But yeah, I like <laughs> last year. But. Uh, <laughs> 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 What's cool about the Maltese Falcon too is like like I was saying about Halloween and defining like maybe the slasher film genre, but then as it went on, Halloween had to redefine itself to catch yeah. up with the things that it created. Yeah. Yeah. The Maltese Falcon is strange in the fact that if you look at our film noirs now, they're more well film noirs from that time period between like nineteen forty one to maybe nineteen fifty nine, because most people say a touch of evil is the last true film noir from the period of film noir. Uh, what's weird is that. It, it it invented the tropes of film noir and, and how things play out, but it doesn't flow like a normal film noir. 
if you watch Maltese Falcon, it's more sort of set in claustrophobic rooms and it's more about like conversations and stuff like that. And it doesn't feel the need to have these big kind of bombastic scenes or, or, or this grittiness because that's one thing about film. That's one thing, sorry, about the Maltese Falcon. It's not really that gritty. I mean, like, the, the villains in it are almost sort of aristocratic. Michael? What? <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just say, the last time I was on the podcast, Michael was maybe two weeks into his no drinking policy. Yeah. yeah. And you started drinking again last week and you look so much more fucking disheveled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, do, you do look like you're a fucking wild man out of the back, Mickey, back you've, country. You've, <laughs> Mickey, you've aged horribly yeah. <laughs> in the past two weeks. Just, That's not actually a beard, it's a beard. Yeah, he had glowing skin, <laughs> and now he's just got this immense beard. He's got a little John Baptist rather than just... You look like the kind of man that just eats unpasteurised... <laughs> gone off milk gone off milk and wrestles bears that's all you do I can take down a bear <laughs> <laughs> like, like you would have a bear let me tell you just, just skin milk cream that's all he he thrives do, on do you know what the worst thing is about it though man drinking milk right now <laughs> <laughs> drinking milk with a knife in his hand <laughs> the, the, the audience can't see it but uh, I'm just trying to emulate Mickey, you <laughs> Mickey is actually main fucking dumb he's looking him dead in the eye just going <laughs> No, he actually is. That's a fucking bear stew, am I? That's actually what's happening. Mickey is sitting here and he's been monitoring the conversation, and I keep looking at him, and he's just. (laughs) He's just that that dead. You know, uh, that Inception style. (laughs) (laughs) Every time. Cold dead eyes of a killer. (laughs) (laughs) Do you reckon. I mean, I think Mickey was using a bit of fucking telekinesis on you there, now. Do you think that Mickey is Handjob Kevin? Maybe he is. I think he is. Are you Handjob Kevin, Michael? For myself, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just he's up do you buy the bread on both sides, Kevin? Kevin. <laughs> my, my dad is called Kevin. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, oh, that brings an R thing under it. Oh, I don't want to think about that. It's, a, it's an oil lamp man story. His dad used to do it. Is that passed he's, on? He's actually hand job Kevin. Is that is passed on? Is that passed on the technique of how to wank yeah. men off and steal their secrets? Okay, so <laughs> he's he's hand job Kevin by default. Like. Is, it, is it exclusively men? Well, I can Ooh. wink women, still their secrets. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can we can discuss this. Maybe there's a different a different thing happens when he. When he wanks What's up a woman, is it like no, if, if he does, their woman off? like he, he sees their dreams. No, he can predict their future. Oh, there we go. Or he can <laughs> he sees their future. That sounds like a line you tell somebody. <laughs> 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 no, let the let line, me touch you here. <laughs> the, the, the line, picture this pack up line. Let me <laughs> finger you. I can predict your future. <laughs> can I just do a, a labia reading? I'll just re- read your labia. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're about to be really disappointed in five minutes. <laughs> 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 oh, very good, sir. Very good. <laughs> I'll read your future. <laughs> Let me thump your box. Uh, I ain't gonna call you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read your future. You'll never hear from me again. <laughs> <laughs> 
was on Tinder, I definitely swipe left. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Any of you use Tinder actually, just as a conversational thing? Any of you use ever? Well, I, I no, love with my girlfriend, so. Michael's engaged. Dominic, have you ever used Tinder? <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been recommended to, but I've got a shit phone. I've got an unsmart phone. <laughs> I, I've never used it. There's, there's a wide, like, there's a serious mad on folks at night, and uh, you should get on there just for the crack. You, you think I'm getting on? No, no, I'm a fuck. I, no, see. I get pestered by boys going, Oh, you want to see him? I'm going to punch you right in the fucking breather. I, <laughs> I, I, to I, be no, honest, I find it strange that for someone who's not from Derry, who didn't grow up in Derry, who doesn't have a Derry culture, I don't think people in Derry need Tinder. Because it's such a small nut city. Well, because you just all chat to one another. Yeah. Right. I could uh, I could imagine yeah. where I come from, where you hate uh, everybody, that you mm. need Tinder. But and I could imagine that in London. Do, do, you, you, need do you think Tinder? it's an Irish thing? Because obviously, well, especially in Derry, we're so jovial and everybody will chat to everybody that it's so much easier to maybe... Oh, what are we going on to here? Like, well, well, it's so much easier to meet people. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I just remember we're on a fucking phone <laughs> podcast. Well, I, I just put this... Book. Point. <laughs> when when I moved to Derry, God, I, please I was going a dry stop spell. waving that knife when you're speaking to me. <laughs> it is really unsettling. Go and put down that knife. The the women of Derry have been very kind to me. <laughs> <laughs> is it because of the knife? <laughs> yeah, they like the way I butter my bread. Sorry, I, uh, I have to give a lot of credit to the knife and the balaclava. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have seen someone use Tinder before, like. They, they... <laughs> Jesus, Mikey, you sounded like you were 10,000 years old. I was watching a Tinder I've seen someone use Tinder before. Aye. Fucking hell, Mikey. What is this? It's, like, it's like an editor of a phone. Oh, I've seen a Tinder. Uh, I've seen a Tinder person once. He's an Apple genius as well. And all, and he's like, oh, I've know, tried Tinder. He's, he's I'm, a these, uh, I'm a Tindling. I'm a Tinder man. <laughs> he's got all these letters after his name and all. And I, I. All right, I've seen someone use Tinder before and... They were just on their phone, and we were just casually chatting in a group, and I just kind of jerked down the phone, seeing they were on Tinder, and they were swiping left and right like as fast as anything. And it's like, are you even looking at these well, people? No, it, it throws you up a picture of people you know, yeah. in the area. I know. I and then you I, just I, go through them. Shows you a picture, and you no, uh, no, but he, he, no, but if you swipe it, right, that's I. If you swipe I, left, that's no I. I, but he. He wasn't looking at it. He's all, yes, 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 no. I think because the same people probably come up over and over again. It's like people you may know on Facebook. People you may know. I kind of know. You end up actually looking at them because you don't know them, but they know other people. John of the Vine and Fulhams. So John of the Vine and Fulhams. Mikey, go ahead. Wrap this shit up. Um... Tinder the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I get redefined. Back, back to the Tinder. I get re- redefined. <laughs> Straight out Tinder. Winners <laughs> all lost Tinder, dude. <laughs> yes, we should. We should write. I think right after handjob, Kevin, we have to write Tinder man. That's the Tinder box. Denzel signed on right. Like you know what I mean. That's that's his thing. The Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Tinder, 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 Tinder. Day. <laughs> <laughs> the hunt for red Tinder. <laughs> okay, and what's your topic? Uh, John of Deconstructions. It was uh, Insanity Shan's a big fan of it as well, but it, it, it was um, 
Sounds like you're probably more of that than I am. Shan, you love the deconstruction. You love to deconstruct people. You're a bulldozer of. I'm a bulldozer. I'm a bulldozer of the status quo. But it seems like it was something I was. You were even talking about about genre defining things. I mean, in ways, people say when a genre is reinvented, there is definitely. Uh, an element of deconstruction on it. Mm-hmm. You know, f- even for example, like just the most modern example is Bond. Yeah. Like, you know, when they reinvented Bond, and actually we talked about this here, Marshall. Was, well, was they made him gritty or they made yeah. him very dark. They, made him, they made him gritty, but they still brought back like the older stuff. Like they still brought back all those. They're fanboy things, but they are slight deconstructions of how stupid the versions of. I mean, for example, when um, things like. Born came out. Uh, the Born Identity came out. Actually, no, no. It was more supremacy that did it. Mm. Born Identity came out around the same time, a wee bit after Day Another Day, and they weren't too threatened by that. Born Supremacy came out with Paul Greengrass, and that actually that kind of defined the espionage genre. Like, yeah, it really did. Like, it was like fuck me. And you watch that, and then you went back to a Bond. You're like, Bond dates really yeah, badly yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it just felt it's like, like watching a carry on thing. a bad exactly, bad exactly. you know what I mean and uh, well, what I'm really kind of trying to say I mean if, if you go to like true deconstruction like what I'm trying to say is is really that um, for example films like the best example the most fucking in your face example is probably our last action here we are on yeah and people didn't get that at all. People oh, didn't I love get that it at film. all. I, I love, love that, that film. film as well. John McTiernan, same director, Die yeah. Hard and Predator, and uh, it's a fucking great film. And it was, it was. There's two films that throughout my childhood, every time they came on, always got to see about an hour of it. And you're like, oh, you have to get up there, fucking bed, and all. You're going to school and all. He didn't say fucking. He was a good dad. I'm always joking. He probably did, of course. <laughs> Nobody's like, up there, man, up there, man. No, I says, oh, no, 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 catch us here, whatever. And he's just all up there, man, up there, man. And then he just never let me watch, you know, the end of it. Like. Yeah. And it was just films. And I, those Batman, the first Batman with Michael Keaton, and that was a film I never really got to see the end of properly. And when I eventually got to see that, it was like, you know, I was a wee bit older, bought a copy of it, Happy Days, or seen it on TV, and just. It's a fucking and then actually by the time I actually got round to watching it, I actually had a film head on me mm. and I just went, This is genius. This is Aye. actually a fucking is a work art. Like it's a really fucking good film because I mean, there's all the obvious jokes on the surface and stuff, you know, about you know, like Arnie never runs out of bullets and all and like the dynamite he can put it out in his car and stuff, but there, there's lots of uh there's lots of really lovely, subtle things in it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, <laughs> the, my favorite thing is that the mother of the the main character and Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, are kind of they can't have the hearts for each other. Aye, I fucking <laughs> yeah. love that. Aye. That's fucking genius. Yeah. Like when he comes into the real world, they're sitting in a fucking kitchen, sort of <laughs> just sort of having having that crack with each other because he's never really met a real woman before. Yeah, he's just met like sort of Hollywood babes or whatever and all the shit and all. With, you know. And just because it's so on the surface and all, it, it, and then when he meets a real woman with with about a about a lifetime, he's loved. He actually has a personality, all. and as an a screenwritten person, it's a great yeah. thing. And you, know, and you know what do you call him? Uh, Shane Black. He's 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 unreal at it. And yeah. You know, you were talking about genre defining things. I mean, Shane Black essentially defines body cop action. 
and the body club John in there enough he defines he defines body club but he defines modern day action he in my opinion he defines the 90s action yep. which has still carried through to the day I'd say it's, it's, it's a tie between him and John McTurn they define 90s could action you, could you you'd create that as a, a a definitive break between that Le- kind of Cold War eighties. Well, there's there's earlier there's, Schwarzenegger there's eighties action where it's the one muscle man yeah, just who can take on entire raging. armies, the yeah. likes of Rambo, the likes of yeah. Commando, yeah, you know, yeah. shit like that. And but then nineties action, when you look at like John McTiernan and Die Hard, that is very much the normal man being put yeah, on the yeah, fucked yeah. up situation because the whole thing which was engaging about Die Hard is the fact that John McLean is a normal. F- Fair enough, he's a hard man, but he's still a normal fella like you yeah. or me. He's not the likes of fucking John Mitrix and Amando who can. Virgin on alcoholism. Yeah. He's not the likes of John Mitrix who can take out a fucking small army. What Shane Black always does is that, you know, there's a brilliant. I I, I fucking. I I had to do a piece about it ages ago and I could never find this article again. But Shane Black in an interview one time said uh, elements to make a good action film. And there's a couple of really good ones, but my my favourite one that I always remember is that suggest a trait of the character that's seemingly useless but set it up really early in the film and that'll become the thing that saves him at the end yeah. and it always and, and it <laughs> fucking and honestly in every single one of his films even in Iron Man 3 you know when the fucking and I think they actually even deconstruct that because he's all the prodigal son of turns and the fucking the 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 Iron Man suit comes back mm. and then it fucks up straight away. They kind of take the piss out of that even. They take the piss out of that formula itself. But, I mean, Riggs's one was the fact that he could dislocate his arm but they use that in every lethal weapon yeah. now that yeah. he dislocates his arm. It dislocates his shoulder it's, and then there's like, what is it? And It's like and one of it's like one of the main tropes on fucking TV tropes. It's called Chekhov skill. It's a skill that is brought up at the start of the film that seems completely irrelevant. It, it, it's a simple yeah. matter of like I check off thing. It was like a, if, if you go on the stage and you see a gun in the center of the stage mm-hmm. above a fireplace. If that gun's not shot by the end of the fucking play, then you're you're fucking it up. Exactly. That, There's no need for it to be there. Eh? Exactly. I think everything's there for a purpose. Them at the end is is they have this joke about uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He pulls out this wee small gun. It's faggot gun. It's always I call it my faggot gun. And he's just all. And he's it's all only uh, worth one pop or whatever. He's always, uh, it's only good for one shot, and then yeah, you can leave it, it down and pick it up for something else. <laughs> <laughs> and then the opportunity looks at him, he's, and Falcon looks back and he goes, "You ass, chief." <laughs> <laughs> this is the gun that saves him at the end. But uh, I do they ever do anything with Stallone, Nutton, and Demolition Man? I can't mind. I can't mind this. I can't remember I Demolition Man. Why? Does well, not. It's actually how he figures out. It's how he figures out. What what's going on? Because Nitto. No, no, it's how he figures out uh, Wesley Snipes. Why Wesley Snipes is so good? Oh, because he's been implanted by because they're all implanted by all these different things in Demolition Man. I mean, that's all his formula. Uh, Stallone, he just I just walk with a fucking nut, man. <laughs> Hanging on, he nuts a fucking I, jumper for I, fucking whatever. Santa Bogas, there's a fucking jumper. <laughs> Sorry, last night, there's a fucking jumper. <laughs> He's, he's sitting watching TV, just wrapping like <coughs> wool around his arms. They get ready for nothing. That's brilliant. But but through that, he figures out the implants that have been put on the people, and he figures out that Wesley Snipes was implanted with that as a sort of a subplot. Yeah. It becomes a thing that they realize that they they try to invent this super insane yeah soldier with Sam and Phoenix like, and then there's 
I know if you, if you call it any of them like it's <laughs> weird like talking about deconstructions it's a really interesting thing that I always want to fucking kind of delve into properly and you have so many fucking versions of of the deconstruction I mean it, it's stuff that you wouldn't even realise I mean earlier on I was talking about slow west and that is 100% the deconstruction law western but the deconstruction law western has happened so many times before it used to be seen as the archetypal American true man's yeah. man genre but the man who shot Liberty Valance with James Sh- 1967 with James Stewart and John Wayne that is essentially a deconstruction of western the fact that it's almost mourning the death of the western and the death of the old west sort of as uh, as a sorry go ahead no no go ahead no it was basically just it's a deconstruction of the western and and it's almost a dying of the genre and the fact that you have john wayne who is the poster boy of the western man's man hard man can handle himself always in the right basically infallible and then in the uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance is up against James Stewart. He's more bookish. He's educated. He's a normal fella. Like most of the people who would have went to see that film, they could probably identify with James yeah. Stewart more, yeah. but they would actually prefer to identify with John Wayne, whose character yeah. throughout his films has fucking major flaws. Do yeah. you think deconstructions are reinventions? I mean, so sometimes they act as both. Sometimes they're just purely deconstruction, though. But I think there are definite times when like uh, a deconstruction is a reinvention. I mean, like Bond's a good example. It's it's, Both, it's a fine it's a fine like, line. Casino Royale wouldn't have happened without Bond supremacy. It's a very fine line wouldn't because you would even look at uh, there's a lot of films that are deconstructions that become reconstructions. Like uh, we, we talked about this again What's weeks ago. It was Kingsman: The Secret Service? Yeah. That start out. Uh, that starts out as a complete and utter, and it does it very the well. Last twenty minutes of Skyfall too. It's just yeah. like that's almost a reconstruction. Yeah, like the, you know, uh, precisely. Like Kingsman starts out, and for pretty much the first, I'd say, hour of that film is a complete deconstruction of the espionage thriller and the kind of. Yeah. And the, the, the sort of more blasé affairs of the early Bonds and, and stuff like that, it's, it's completely getting rid of that. It's trying to make it more realistic and put it in literally a council estate as opposed to these volcano evil layers. Yeah. Whereas then when it comes on the last was half... Kinsman the one where they pulled a, the little street boy? Yeah. The street boy. It was hand job, Kevin. No, you're dumb. You're you're <laughs> thinking of Aladdin. Get, get along, get <laughs> street, <laughs> that, that is a great song. I love that song. Um, but I mean, then even though Kingsman was a deconstruction of espionage, in the last half an hour it took all the deconstruction and then reconstructed it and they like a straight retelling of any bomb film that you've ever seen. Uh, you have the evil they would have had to. Yeah. And the big shootouts. Yeah. And then I, the, I kind of find the shit boys are raving about it's all it's bad shit like. I thought about, I, I, I I wouldn't like watching that kind of film because it's it seems too obvious that it's going to be a spoof of a see, but it's a see no there's a <laughs> difference really between because like, they do so well in the first two acts of these types of fucking films and the last act they're all well what else can we do and I... they just go oh no we'll we'll like ah we'll, we'll we'll do a throwback and that's their way of covering the fact that they have no other choice but they do this sort of ending. Which is fucking balls. See, I I, I do agree that Kingsman uh, is a good film until the last act, but then it kind of falls on its fist wee butt. And at the same time, it's actually kind of scary because you think to yourself, a lot of these films do deconstructions and a while let them fall away in the last act when they become reconstructions. And you think to yourself, is it just the fact that it's bad writing? Is there is you know, there not... You know what? Sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. Work away. No, no. No, 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 no. no I was done. Go ahead. No, we're going to... No, 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 no
I like an, another one like I hear is uh, what if like that was mm. kind of deconstructing kind of rom com kind of thing, but then the end of it is just a fucking rom com kind of precisely. Thing. But uh, going back to Kingsman and just Matthew Vaughn in general, I think most of his films he does deconstruct whatever he's doing. Uh, but then uh, it kind of always goes like if you look at Kick Ass, yeah. yep. maybe not so much with X Men, but even Layer Kick, like for kind of gangster films and stuff as well. Big time. Like that that seems to be his thing. Like he likes to kind of just tear it apart a wee bit but then sell it a bit back off but it's awful about Matthew Vaughn it's like he deconstructs it and he does such a good job until usually the last 15 minutes <laughs> maybe not layer cake but you're excited that's actually a fucking cracking point because layer cake's a deconstruction the fact that Daniel Craig and layer cake isn't your usual fucking give me that show to sort of you know create one <laughs> typical London or East End gangster yeah. he is like a middle class you would almost say tough drug dealer who doesn't like getting his hands dirty he's absolutely disgusted by violence yeah. you know not disgusted but he's horrified by violence when he sees it in front of him yet he functions throughout this kind of deconstruction of a, a crime for a plot and it and it works really well and then like with Kick-Ass too it's what if a young fella who's got no superpowers fucking just decided to himself you know what I can't really feel pain that much I'll just go, well, you can't feel pain because obviously the medical operation, I'll just go out there and start fucking fighting crime in like yeah. the real world and it's like street level. It's not like the, like say the Avengers where there's fucking aliens popping about. It's literally just one note yeah. fucking drug dealers that he's trying to battle against and I think the thing that really shocks you when you watch Kick-Ass is when he just literally gets knifed. Yeah. He gets knifed like anybody else which yes. is a disgusting yeah, and gets yeah. knifed on the street and it's and it actually, it, it harms him unlike any other superhero and it's like fucking hell. Now, that works as a deconstruction because it brings the superhero film into the real world. It's not a big, massive, dirty fucking device fucking uh, slashing its arm. It's a fucking... It's somebody getting a knife in the stomach, guy. getting a fucking stabbing. Stabbed up the time, Yeah, boy fucking knifes him up, like. But uh, what do you call it? Lethal weapon. Baby. It's still... Because that... Honestly, that, that's I mean we say it's a buddy cop film, but it is. It's a reinvention of the film noir thing. Mm. They're detectives, you know. They're out searching about not there, but what it does at the end is it is it. it it's the same thing as I mean, eyes dislocated shoulder. When I said about earlier about Shane Black, but they refer to the fact that he was black ops in uh, uh, Vietnam and stuff, mm. and he tells them that he, he has the lethal weapon. He has the lethal weapon, and he was a sniper and this kind of stuff, and it's just like they should have kind of ended it in the first one mm-hmm. they can't really it's like why the fuck have they never used the sniper ring do you know what yeah, I love that, if they make Lethal Weapon 5 it, <laughs> it just start with rings with a sniper rifle okay <laughs> I think we'll wrap it up there yeah baby okay so we'll go on to recommendations who's first oh I'll give mine I watched one this morning or this afternoon The Gambler Oh, Mark yeah. Wahlberg yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah I know you look to me like, mm, it's, it's all right Calvin Klein nags Wahlberg It's all right Now I When I Was watching it now I got in at 6 o'clock this morning 6 o'clock this morning Hung over Do you remember this film? <laughs> yeah I do remember this film I'd spent most of the night Debating and arguing With ex-girlfriends And former lovers <laughs> Honestly, you've got it. You've got it. You've got to put that sentence in a time capsule for Dom. (laughs) (laughs) I spent most of the night debating with ex girlfriends and former lovers. It sounds like they started like a concept album or something. (laughs) Fucking lyric. I got so fucking angry with one of them that when a boy off the fucking walls of Derry shot a firework in my face, I should have blew up behind my fucking leg as well. It blew up behind your leg, but it blew up in front of my fucking face. 
fucking head. <laughs> didn't, didn't even, it didn't even bother me at the time because I was still so angry at a fucking a woman of the past. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, fast forward to this morning. Watch The Gambler and you're looking at Mark Wahlberg and thinking, oh, I, he, he's playing a, an English, um, uh, English professor. Teacher. professor English teacher. English teacher. And, he, and he doesn't... He, you. At the beginning of the film, you think, oh, no, I'm just seeing Dirk Diggler. That's all I'm fucking seeing. <laughs> but it, 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 come, <laughs> it comes across quite well. It's only, he only got a 6.1. However, I think it's, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a good constant message and it, it comes into your brain well enough. But uh, Brie Larson, or Lawson, Larson, Brie Larson? Larson. Larson. She is underutilized. She's really she she really? there there's no more stereotypical satellite woman role drifting yeah. around a man than it than always that. depresses me about Brie Larson because and she soundtrack was brilliant as yeah. well. It always depresses me about Brie Larson because she is literally the same age as me. I'm actually older, she's twenty six and the filmography she has behind her already is phenomenal. She's got mm. the spectacular now, she's got short term twelve, even yes. in the in the first fucking twenty one jump street. And so Scott she's obviously versed well. Scott Pogram, she's not phenomenal well, actress. Brie Larson is it what do you call she was on five year engagement as well? I can't remember. I've never I seen five year engagement. Be. No, are you Just, thinking uh, Alison Brie? No, no, no. no, it's Alison Brie you're I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking of someone else to be but uh, yeah, no, I mean, she's I she's also in. Uh, did we mention it? The one with Amy Schumer. She Train plays Rick? a sister. Oh shit! Yeah, she yeah, has in Trainwreck. She's a yep. sister of Amy Schumer. She's in Trainwreck train as well. You're exactly right. But a phenomenal actress, very underutilized. But uh, you've heard it here first. On let's talk more movies. She will be one of the biggest actresses in the world in the next ten years because she's starting to pave her way now. Yeah. She's phenomenally talented. Michael, my recommendation. I was I was in work the other day. Just listen to some tunes as I never do. <laughs> and uh whacked on Tiny Dancer by Elton John. <laughs> Great song. I sing that to my dog when I work. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So casual. It's, it's, it's lonely out in the countryside. <laughs> but uh, yeah. It just reminded me of Almost Famous, obviously the famous scene where they all start singing it on the bus. Mm. And it also just reminded me that Sean Coyle still has my fucking DVD. Jesus, of let it famous. go, Mike. No, let I'm it go. I'm never going to let, let it go. go. Until, I want it back. I, you, oh, let it go, right. Let you it go and give it back to me. <laughs> it's, it's a fucking... It's, honestly, see, looking at it, right, it's a DVD that you will never look at. There's Netflix, there's streaming services. Why do you need that possession in your hand? Are you that materialistic? You downtrodden piece of shit. You, is, dic- you dictionary collect a motherfucker. Is, Are you serious? Is, is almost famous on Netflix. It doesn't matter. You can stream it. You can download it. Where did no. you get back then? I can't find it. <laughs> I see, don't know where it is. See, this is the thing. I lent it. Buy him a lot I think. Exactly. See, be honest, I, th- I think I fucking lent the dead boy for a ten glass about two years ago or about six years ago. You know, for fuck's sake. But anyway, yeah, it's it's the film that made me fall in love with Kate Hudson. I think she's awesome in that film. And then every other film she's done just made me hate her more. Yeah. <laughs> Limited actress. Yeah, she's she she, she, she even tried to sneak in a wee Zach Braff one yeah. to get me back on form. Mm. Shit. And <laughs> I, I, actually, no, I actually think no, I actually think she's a good actress. I just think No, I think she's good. I just think her choices are just fucking is she, terrible. Is she the daughter of Goldie Goldie Hawn's yeah. 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 I think she's not I don't say I'm, I'm that's why I said limited. I don't think she's a bad actress, yeah. but she is limited in no, what no, she can no, be. I, see, I, her, don't, I don't I think she, I actually think she has 
a really like just a natural fucking character and sass and just and she she's not afraid of making it out of her shell. Uh, back the almost famous. <laughs> Cameron Crowe at his best. Maybe whining a bit recently. Like <laughs> ten. I love it. But yeah, watch it and sing Terminator. I, I do wonder if that's true, where people have a few good films in them. And then they just shit the bed. People hated Vanilla Sky. I actually like Vanilla Sky. I like Vanilla Sky. I really like Vanilla Sky. I like it. I, I don't know. I, I don't think you can say, oh, somebody's... I, don't, somebody's I, I don't really like Almost Famous. I think it's, I think it's a really easy studio film. It, it, it's, to be honest, it's a rip-off of a Linklater film. Yeah. To me. I think it's, it's overly yeah. nostalgic. It's a Hollywood version of what Linklater had done so much better. I like Almost Famous, but for me, it's almost like a streamlined nostalgia filter of what people imagine 1970s rock yeah. and roll to be. But the problem is, everybody loves that far more than Days and the Fuse. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Do you know what, Lazo? And it just comes down to the basic fact that it's just way more accessible, whereas Days and the Fuse doesn't really have a plot. It's quite just scattered ash. It doesn't really have many. Fu- it doesn't have a main character. It's all unknowns. But Days and Confused obviously isn't it. Do you know what? I wish I actually used Days and Confused. My fucking recommendation. Days and Confused is on Netflix. Yeah, it is indeed. So watch, watch that. that. Actually, don't watch Almost Famous. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Shite, really. <right? laughs> no, I was only recommend it because of my memories of it and remember enjoying it and ah, really, really. Like no, but the thing is, I'm not saying I, I still think it's a good film. No, no, no I'm, I'm not defending much. I was, I'm just explaining it because I have, I, li- I haven't seen it literally in at least ten years, like so I can't honestly remember. Because I have your DVD. Yeah. Hair and yours. Um. Did I mention Big Wednesday in this podcast or was talking to somebody else about it today? No, me and you've discussed it. I, Obviously, the Malias. I talk about films all day. So, <laughs> I I, I, excuse me if I forget that I've talked about it in this podcast. But uh, This is just two hours of it's recorded. It <laughs> <laughs> just, just happens to be a wee slice of my life. Like, but, it doesn't uh, stop. <laughs> shut, shut. <laughs> no, uh, uh, I want to recommend Big Wednesday. Uh, John Malias. Uh, John Mullis uh, wrote Dirty Harry, wrote Conan the Barbarian. Did he direct Conan the Barbarian as well? Wait, I, mean, I think I he did. I'm not quite sure, I can't remember. No, I think, I think I'll, I'll John Mullis, uh, he, he, he was he was one of the best writers. He was a kind of bravado writer and only did Dirty Harry and stuff like this here. And then at certain times, like uh, Spielberg would bring him in, you know, for like on Jaws, when uh, Robert Shaw... I uh, was talking about uh, when the boat was going down and cool the black eyes, But John Mullis wrote that whole section. Really? Aye. Mullis wrote that. Because Spielberg says it needs something, it's whatever and all. I kind of want to talk about the war a wee bit. And yeah. so it was Mullis that wrote that there section. Fuck. And uh, apparently he had like fucking six pages or something. But like Mullis is always seen as this fucking. He's almost like a Hunter S. Thompson type mm. character. Gonzo, you know, by the way. It's like a Gonzo screenwriter, in a way. You know, and he's actually, I think he's the main writer on Rome, I think, as well. Aye. And all, there's a brilliant documentary just came out of him just called Mullis. Yeah, it's Cracker. It's unreal. It's on Form 4 he, recently. He wrote Apocalypse Now as well. I know. <laughs> of all the films, they forget, like, he wrote Apocalypse <laughs> Now. <laughs> the film, my recommendation is Big Wednesday, right? But uh, Big Wednesday is a film about. Uh, guys that are just because John Mullis was a big surfer and in California and stuff, and he had a certain spot he liked to go to and stuff. And you know, he just you know, before he was writing, or maybe while he was writing, he was just a big surfer, mm. and so he knew a lot about it and stuff. And so he wrote a script about surfers, 
and then he wrote a script. It's it's sort of deer huntery, you know. And it's these guys are surfers, happy days, everything's great, sweet. The Vietnam War comes along, and uh, a lot of surfer guys pretend to be fucking neo Nazis. Mm. They pretend to be insane. A lot of them pretend to be like whatever, because they're like, I'm not going to fucking Vietnam. Yeah, they're trying to get out of there. One of them says, "No, I'm just, I'm just going like." And it's Busey as well. Busey doesn't go now. Busey no, but Bu- no, but I'm saying Busey's in there. Just uh, you mentioned it. Gary Busey is in there. Airwolf's on there as well. You know the main character from Airwolf? Yeah. Fucking Airwolf's on there as well. <laughs> <laughs> the helicopter? <laughs> the helicopter? <laughs> He's a Zufu. But I, but, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know what the fuck it is. But I call it that. <laughs> but I fucking Airwolf, Busey. <laughs> fucking... The other act, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the guy that goes off to Vietnam, and it's just about they come. He comes back, you know. Them's are just still doing their thing, and he comes back, and it's just about pretty much how how a world changes over the course of years, and after you've seen so much bad shit, everything just sharpens up. It's a bit colder. The guy, mm-hmm. the guys that used to make the boards for them, you just see the business isn't as good as it used to be, and all. And it just it just shows how. You, mm-hmm. I think it's wiped not, out that subculture has exactly I mean, that that subculture, which was burgeoning in like California in the late sixties, has been eradicated by the fact that all those young men had to go to the Vietnam War and have been killed essentially. Aye. And it's, uh, it's a really good film. The reason it was overlooked, I think it was opening the same week as like a really massive film. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> Lucas Spielberg and Malice. Uh, swapped rights on the best of my knowledge Empire Strikes Back <laughs> Big Wednesday <laughs> and like Raiders of the Lost <laughs> it's funny fuck they all swapped rights because they thought they were all fucking top of the game it was like don't fucking definitely quote me on yeah. that there it, it was it was these types of films that but Big Wednesday was definitely the, the smaller molest got a serious role in there all, <laughs> yeah Spielberg is all nah. <laughs> you know what's strange is you obviously doing your recommendation now. You seem to have a strange, deep love for surf action and films of Gary Busey. Perhaps. What's <laughs> your recommendation? Uh, recommendation this week is Tyrannosaur uh, by one of our lovely favorite actors, Paddy Constantine. He directed it. Uh, also wrote it. It's a phenomenally grim watch. So, I mean, like, obviously, if, if anybody is going to take my recommendation and go watch it, be prepared because it's not nice viewing. Uh, it's Peter Mullen. It is also, Jesus, what do you call her from Olivia, Peep Show? Olivia Wilde. Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. Sorry. Olivia Coleman. It is essentially about Olivia Coleman, who is being fucking phenomenally abused by her husband. She's being beaten. She is being made to be like a non-person, non-entity and she works in a charity shop yeah. and then there's this alcoholic in the town who is literally just fucking kicked his dog yeah. to death. You can tell that it's not a fucking rom com. Well, like. he didn't kick his own dog to get it. No, it's, it's the kitchen sink cost. drama rammed up the 11 and I love the fact that it's worse and all and they do not try and portray Peter Mullen as a good, he's a good person at heart but he, you know, his mm. actions make him a bad person. Olivia Coleman is a lovely. He's amazing. He's just got plays a, a great alcoholic because yeah. the disease of the will. Like if, you, if you've ever spent time with alcoholics in your family, it's fucking horrendous to try and cope with that. Yeah. Like the ups and downs. Like you're trying to rescue somebody, and then you actually sort of 
push them away. Mm-hmm. And he plays a great alcoholic in that. Yeah. He plays, he, he, you can tell that he knows, well, he's familiar with alcoholism. And Olivia Coleman's character, you can tell, mm, well, Paddy Constantine, he he wrote it. Paddy Constantine? Con- Paddy Constantine. Paddy Constantine. I know, but I know, for his, I know exactly what you're saying. And what I love about it is that he abuses alcohol. And the lovely thing about how they actually engage with each other and how the relationship kind of blossoms is the fact that he abuses alcohol, but he, he, he knows he, what... He abuses himself and she's getting abused abuse. he, and she allows herself to He recognises what abuse is, yeah. exactly. He recognises what abuse is. He sees how Don Trouton she is. Now, obviously, somebody else is doing the abuse they heard and that's how it blossoms. And at the same time, it is nowhere near any sort of fucking rom-com no. meet-cute relationship. It is a very sort of distant, non-romantic relationship yes. in a way too. It is literally just two desperate, very fucked-up souls, souls meeting each other yeah. in a small town in, like, I think the Midlands of fucking England thoroughly depressing film wouldn't even say uplifting but it's a powerful watch a very powerful watch is Patty in it? no no okay I'm wrapping up there folks thank you so much for listening if you like getting in contact with us suggest a topic or even weigh in some of our topics what's your favourite apocalyptic dystopian future film you can find us on Facebook Let's Talk More Movies podcast you can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies or you can email us Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com you can also leave us comments, reviews, and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on ACAST, where you can get interactive show notes and links. Best place to listen to us. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Shanko has been Shanko. Hey, yay! Calm Heron's been Calm Heron. Oh, shit. Dom has been Dom. Thank you very much. Abby left fucking hours ago. <laughs> Big episode 24, baby! 24. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Half a year. Six months. Six months and it's fucking Ted. <laughs> Let me out. <laughs>「Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.